Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast. I'm Sheng Peng, Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now. You can also find my work at MEC Sharks and on Twitter at Sheng underscore Peng. And I'm Keegan McNally. You can find me on Twitter at halfwall underscore hockey, at my website half-wallhockey.com, or at San Jose Hockey Now. We have a great guest today, Scott Hannon, first-round pick of the Sharks in 1997, also played over a 1,000 NHL games uh, with the Sharks and other teams. Right now, Scott is taking on a larger role on an MEC Sharks pregame live show. And also, find out which one of us is related to Scott Hannon. <laughs> you. No. Uh, so, so, it could be. Um, it could be. You know, well, you'll have to stick around and find out. So, though... <laughs> So let's jump into it, Shang. There's going to be, um, and I'm really excited about the Scott Hand Scott Hannon interview, everybody. It's a very, very fun interview. He even talks a little bit about what he sees on the ice and stuff like that. So that was actually the really cool bit about talking with Scott. So, um, But this week, it was the first week of the season um, for the Sharks. It feels like, I guess it's been like 10 days or so since we've done mm -hmm. a podcast. Um a lot's happened, and also a lot of losing has happened. I think that's yes. the best way to put it. <laughs> Why don't we start with um, probably the biggest, weirdest news of this week, um, which was the Kevin LeBanc drama. So <laughs> Kevin LeBanc um, notably was scratched for the first three games of the season. Um, he was the healthy scratch. He was the 13th forward, basically. Um, and then they announced the day before the game that he was going to be playing. And then that morning at 10 a.m., uh, Frank Saravelli on Twitter announced that he would be waived that day, uh, which kind of goes direct contradiction to him playing in his first NHL game this year um, and then getting waived at the same time. And within 30 minutes, Frank put out a tweet uh, that basically said that the Sharks had reversed course and decided not to waive LeBanc, um, which caused a huge snafu, I imagine, at practice, <laughs> in practice skate that morning. Um, Shank, why don't you yes. talk a little bit about what happened that morning and what you... Um, what uh what actually happened with kevin lebank sure I mean, i'm still trying to piece it together and um i guess i'll start with that uh yeah the day before uh, um i was at practice and i saw that uh, kevin was taking part with all the regular line he was higher up actually he wasn't alternating on the fourth line which he had been he was on a regular line and so that was uh, looked like a sign that he was going to play and so I asked uh, David Quinn after practice, is Kevin LeBanc going to play? And uh, David said, yeah, he's going to play. And he talked about um, the big season that he was hoping for, accounting for from LeBanc. <laughs> so I was like, okay, all right. So Kevin's back, you know, back in. Um, I know that it has been a little bit, a uh, little bit, a little bit uh, uh, rocky, you know, between, uh, uh, you know, LeBanc and his playing time and Quinn, you know, last year being scratched last year and also even missing these first uh, three games. I mean, uh, LeBanc has been working his way back from an injury, but, um, you know, he, he, he was probably healthy enough. He was healthy enough to play uh, the first three games. So that, that is a healthy scratch, even though guys still kind of, you know, working. Uh, if, if it was Logan Couture, he would have been playing. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so, um, so uh, anyway, uh, so so look like Le look like LeBanc was playing, and then um, as I am, I believe uh, driving uh, to practice uh, the the next day um, or morning skate the the next day. Um, yeah, I, I I see I see a tweet that that he's been he's been waived, and look, let I me mean, let's let's be honest here. You know, like if we look at sort of no, I don't think anyone. People batted an eye because of LeBanc's sort of uh, a salary and his, mm -hmm. you know, pretty good scoring history all in all. But if we're honest, though, like, 
I mean, the guy was scratched last year. The guy was scratched this year. Like, I don't think it was like, uh, it wasn't like Thomas Hurdle got waived. <laughs> sure. you know, it wasn't, it was, it was, it, it, you know, it, it raised an eyebrow that, that news, but it wasn't like, Oh my God, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and that, and that kind of speaks to, uh, to some degree, you know, where, 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 where LeBlanc, LeBanc has kind of uh, played himself on a roster and that sort of thing, right. That, that it would seem plausible that the Sharks might do that. Like as a last, as sort of a last resort, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I have to believe that they have been looking for trade partners for him for, for a while and they, you know, can't really find anything, probably because of his contract, right? He's got a, a year left at 4.725 last year. Obviously, it was two years left, which would make it make it even harder to trade. Might be able to move it sure. this year because it's expiring. Um, but anyway, though, um, so yeah, so it seemed plausible. It seemed like, okay, wow, that's that's still surprising because literally the day before he said that he was playing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so they they tell us that that that, that Quinn is going to be made available um, earlier that day, but it has nothing to do at that at that point. The the Sharks hadn't put out anything about LeBanc, so but Quinn was going to be be uh, be available um, a little bit earlier than usual uh, that day. Again, nothing to do. I don't think it had anything to do with the with with, with the LeBanc stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway. Uh, as I'm as I'm getting there, uh, I, I to sharks to uh, sharks eyes. Uh, I see that okay. Now there's a tweet from Frank, kind of talking about reversing the course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, so I, gotta, I, I have a few things to say about hockey insiders when you're when you're done with the yeah the okay. inside report. But let's talk about. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so I walk into practice and, and I walk into the the, the sharks uh, locker room and I see that. Uh, that uh, uh, Kevin LeBanc is is about to talk, and um, I thought in my I thought I I I, I missed uh, Quinn because like I said Quinn went was supposed to go a little earlier than 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 expected, um, so I was like okay okay great and so anyway uh, Kevin starts talking. Um, usually if I roll in late like basically like you know I I, I let I let the reporters who are there first and who are set and prepared go first because you know they uh you know they they you know they they're just there that they're you know they're just i don't i don't want to fly in like out of nowhere and start yeah yeah. not dibs but just like they they kind of are more set with what they want to ask kind of you know um but there weren't any questions though up, up to at you know after a couple minutes about just what what the fuck happened this morning. Yeah, <laughs> so, what? So I asked Kevin like, Kevin, um, there was a report this morning that 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 you were gonna get waived. Uh, you're still here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, and I imagine maybe he hadn't even checked his phone. Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I believe that. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. so uh, from the side uh, and uh, Sharks PR was like that that never happened. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, wait, what do you mean that ever happened? <laughs> and so I was like, okay. Anyway, so 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 Kevin said uh um something like um yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. uh I've been I've been getting ready for the game, which he was, and uh and said he hadn't really been following Twitter and it, like said it's it's plausible. It all this had literally gone down in the like an hour before we talked with him or 45 right. minutes before we talked with him. And so 
So anyway, so so I might have been the one to, to to break the news to Kevin LeBanc that that he that he, that he <laughs> might have been waived or, or that, not that, really. that, that he that he was waived on Twitter at least that he was in a Twitter rumor about being yeah. waived. Yeah, yeah, he was he was he was ex official uh, uh, waived. Yeah. Um, so, so who did you confirm with that Kevin was never going to be waived? Like what what do, what do we got? We've Drugs VR has, has has indicated that um the you know PR. Mike Greer uh, uh, told Greer. Uh, Curtis right I think Curtis tweeted about it, that there was never. An intention mm-hmm. to 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 waive uh, a LeBanc. Um, David Quinn has said a couple of times that there's Quinn. never been any discussion uh, on his, you know, I mean, you know, on his level. But he seemed to be suggesting even on on man like uh, at higher levels um, that yeah. maybe conversations that he may not even be a part of. I mean, look, have they discussed waiving Kevin LeBanc? If they haven't, then they haven't been, you know, doing their their, their due sure. diligence, you know, because. Here's a guy that's not playing that you can't seem to trade. And so you have to, you know, consider that as an option, I think, at least, mm-hmm. right? So, so you know, have they probably discussed it somewhere? Uh, possibly. But, yeah, I do believe there's never any intention to waive him, though. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty bold move. And if you look at it just logically, right, like if you want to trade Kevin LeBanc, uh, you want to get anything for him. Like the best mm-hmm. course is to let him play out this year and see if he can, you know, uh, gain some of his value. And he's going to be expiring, and so he you might be able to move him at the trade deadline uh, because that the team taking him on doesn't have to worry about another year, right? Another year of commitment at a high price tag to him, and mm-hmm. so it so it 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 doesn't make sense for the yeah. Sharks to wave him unless like Kevin really, really wanted out because he was unhappy about getting scratched or something like that, which was sort of the first thought in my head uh, when I first saw the, 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 the tweet that, uh, that he was going to get waived that um, mm-hmm. he just was that unhappy. And, and he, 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 he wanted out so much that he, he asked out. And of course at the moment, you know, there's not going to be a lot of trade offers for a guy that's been healthy scratch for three straight games, right? And so it's kind of like, yeah. um, um, like what the Detroit did with Zadina over the summer. You know, they waived him too, that just to kind of show, like, look, there isn't a market, you know, yeah, for you and, and your, your contract, contract. Yeah, yeah, for exactly. you and your contract, right? And so, so yeah, so 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 that's so that's what that's that's mm-hmm. along the lines of, of where I thought uh, 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 they were at. Um, when I first saw that tweet. Um, yep. But uh, like I said, though, like if you're trying to get some value for, for Kevin while well, you still can, I mean, I would be, I would be surprised if, if yeah, Kevin LeBanc is with the Sharks next year. Sure. But, um, but if you want to try to get some value for him like this, this year, even like, you know, like a fifth round pick or just any, literally anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, again, the best thing to do is to, uh, let him play out this year, and hopefully he 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 grabs a job and he puts him some points, and you can move him possibly at the deadline for something for anything, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so 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 that's so that's why the the waving thing didn't made sense, but didn't make sense in in yeah. in some ways to me. So anyway, to go I guess to go back to the 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 day of <laughs> situation, uh, then uh, then uh, then Quinn comes out and um, and uh, Quinn. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Quinn, Quinn talks about, yeah, like I, we've never had any discussions. I don't know where that came from, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, Kevin played and Kevin actually played uh, pretty well against Boston. I think sure. he actually played pretty well, uh, last night too, uh, except for, um, being on the ice when 
Mackenzie Blackwood got uh, got uh, jumped or body mm, slammed. Yeah, and then nothing happened. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but anyway, though, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. like uh, so we yeah so we've got we've got Kevin, we've got mm-hmm. uh, Greer Quinn Sharks PR. Mm-hmm. Do we get Kevin's agent? Yeah, hey, I've I've reached out, and so mm-hmm. I I haven't I haven't heard back. So maybe okay. maybe there is a story mm-hmm. there. You know, I I will say that like I I, I doubt that like 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 Frank made it up out of thin air. So oh, I think there's a rumor there. It's just it's I have a, a little bit of a rant. So mm-hmm. go ahead. the um go the, off go off go, go off. King. So <laughs> the basically like there's like two different types of like hockey insiders. There's people mm-hmm. like Pierre LeBron who don't speculate and they just report or they break news, right? Um, there's people like Elliot Friedman who do both speculation and reporting. So like they'll on their show is a lot of speculation, but mm. they're all they preface it with this is speculation. Right. Um, and then there's Frank. And <laughs> the the problem with what's going on with Frank is that he's putting out stuff that's false. And mm. once you do that repeatedly, people stop listening to you as a hockey insider. Like if you do it one time and something messes up and you have a reason why it messes up great it's fine people are forgive you but this is the second time in a couple months because the first one was what i remember was that john gibson um he put out a story that john gibson's agent said he'll never play again for anaheim Mm. and john gibson and his agent both said that's false and then he's now playing for anaheim so it was like a and there's a little bit of plausibility there where he's like oh well like you know he said it but like i can't prove that he said it kind of thing and uh, people called him out on it. They said, this is bad reporting. Um, you can't just say that like a player said this without any actual hard proof or evidence. Um, you can't just put it out there. It sounds like speculation or it sounds made up. And then this one is not only is it like speculation, he then put the blame on the Sharks. He said they reversed course. And that's why my information is false. Not like my, my source is false or my source is wrong. He said it was the sharks who did like, oh, they waved him. And then never mind. They said no 30 minutes later, mm-hmm. like, which makes absolutely no sense to do. Um, I think, especially when you've announced the guy is going to be in the lineup. So yeah. I, I honestly don't know where the truth is there. And he didn't make it up out of thin air. Something might've happened, but I think his source is very, very wrong in this aspect. And he shouldn't put it out with being a hundred percent sure. Cause it's like a player mm-hmm. transaction. That's right, like, right, right. But more, more than just like a guy doesn't like playing for his team. That's a transaction, and that's something that people will remember is that you're wrong. <laughs> so that's my that's my own thing about hockey insiders is that they shouldn't be. If you're going to speculate, claim it's speculation, and if you're going to say it's the truth, then it has to be the truth. Sure, sure. Um, uh, to clarify, with the John Gibson story, uh, Frank said that John Gibson, John Gibson has asked for a trade, nothing to do with his agent. And he has said, I am not playing another game for the Anaheim Ducks. And then Gibson's agent uh, responded and says that uh, said that the, the the goalie had never told the Ducks that he wouldn't play for them. Um, yeah. So just 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 to clarify, and also too, I believe that John Gibson has played for the Sharks this year. Or, I'm sorry, for or the, the Ducks this year. He has, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, specifically to to this though, um, yeah, I. I I think that they're. I think we're still waiting to hear. Um, you know, want to hear hear Frank. Uh, Frank has got a lot of stuff right too. Uh, of course, Frank is the Frank is the man who single handedly ruined the expansion draft for mm-hmm. all all viewers across America. And good for him too. He was doing his job. He got the information. Uh, he was right. I think on 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 every one of them. Right. So his 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 source was very oh, very yeah, solid. Source was rock solid. There. Somebody in the um, league for sure. 
so so he also has got a, a ton right um mm-hmm. but of course though yeah when you have these high profile this little bank one is particularly you know the the gibson one was one thing where it's um I guess I, I guess if you look at the details of like you know if if he, if Gibson didn't tell anybody on the ducks and Frank said they did and that's different but mm-hmm. I think here is a little it's worse in some ways even though it's a it's a lesser profile player uh, yeah. insofar as that this was a hard transaction that 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 he reported as it's happening this is this is done or this will yeah. be done right mm-hmm. and. There has been no indication, yes, uh, that like there was any sort of uh, reversing of a course that 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 Frank uh, suggested, um, and I do tend to care. I do. <clears throat> I don't always just believe everything management says or sharks say or Greer says or or, or Quinn says, right? But sure. here it makes sense to me though, because like I mentioned, it it doesn't it didn't really make sense for the sharks to uh, to waive uh, Kevin unless Kevin insisted on on on, on leaving. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I guess though, I, 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 I don't think Frank has really addressed it since the day of, and so I'm waiting for him to address it further. And so, mm-hmm. so I'm going to kind of, uh, uh, hold out, uh, some, uh, uh, some judgment, but it is not a, uh, it is not a, 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 a good look, uh, for reporters yeah, in general. Like, and yes, go ahead. If you, if you had a good, a, a good source and you believe mm-hmm. your source and then yeah. you put out a thing, somebody gets waived, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're the first person to break it for the sharks or whatever. Um, and you were wrong. You wouldn't say like the sharks reverse course. Well, like you we would just say I was wrong. It's, it's not this player. It's this player or, or it's, you know, wrong thing. So I don't know. It just seems like such a very, especially because they put him in the like the practice line the day before, and that would be like screwing up your coach to be like, oh, by the way, that guy that you just put in, I'm waving him, unless like they talked about it beforehand or something. Right. But, I mean uh, that that part of it though, like again, until we hear more from Frank about mm-hmm. it, like you know, yeah, I mean uh, right now it doesn't look like like the reversing course like that. That doesn't. I I don't believe that's what happened, but yeah. You know, until we, we we hear more from from Frank about it, then um, sure. you know, get any kind of sort of uh, explanation. I don't know. You know, and I'm not going to speculate yeah, on what could have happened. You know, like who who he talked to that that might have indicated that that this was going to happen. Um, and uh, yeah, I do agree though that um, if that's not what happened, if the Sharks didn't reverse, then he shouldn't say that. Of course, he should just say mm-hmm. like my source was wrong. I I I, I messed up, and then you yeah. know, then we move on from there, kind of, you know. But we don't. I don't know though. You know, maybe yeah, there was some. Maybe know. something was in motion with the sharks. I I don't know. It's not. Yeah. It's not. Again, it's not. As I mentioned, it's not implausible that the sharks would 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 wave them. You know, this isn't Thomas sure. Hurdle. This isn't Logan Couture, etc. Cetera, et cetera, Occasionally, right? a guy yeah. will be put through waivers to actually set up a trade, which doesn't really make a lot of sense. But teams do like the flexibility of having a guy who's already cleared waivers right right gonna add him so that they can send him back and forth between minors so that was my thought was like okay Greer has set up a trade because there's no reason why he would be in the lineup one day and then the next day not and yeah. be waived unless there was like a, okay we got a deal going because then you would take him out so that mm-hmm. was my thought was like maybe he's being waived so that if he clears waivers he could be traded for another guy who's kind of like a, a salary cap mm-hmm. dump. somebody like anthony mantha or another guy who's struggling on a team with a lot of salary All right and and that kind of makes sense because like you want to try you know if you don't have to take back a big salary dump like anthony mantha you don't you should just try and wave kevin and see if he can go through waivers first and get picked up um that was my thought it was like he's being traded there's no mm-hmm. reason why you would do this unless he's being traded and then it was all of a sudden like 
no. So maybe nope. there was. Maybe <laughs> maybe there was something there that he had a deal set up and then it fell through. Who knows? Or maybe there was literally nothing in. <laughs> right i mean right now right beer. now like yeah right now we don't know yep. uh, more than from what's from that day i'm still digging at it so i might find out a, a, a little a little bit more mm -hmm. you know but uh i i'm not dropping the story but yeah. uh that was a uh a, a very uh a much ado about the very dramatic but much ado yeah. about nothing day <laughs> yeah um the rest of the sharks week did not go well um yes. including that game against boston um <laughs> But uh, we had a few other uh, transaction news. We had Simic, uh, Radim Shimic, who's um, been with the team for a few years now, who got waived uh, a couple days ago, one or two days ago. Um, and this is kind of what we thought might happen just because of the huge log jam at defense and guys right. coming back and getting healthy. Um, and some guys getting out because of injury, but um, Shimic seemed to be, uh, get, be the odd man out and uh, was waived and cleared, I believe. Yeah, he did, yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Um, any thoughts about Radim Shimmick or, or any of the um, the defensive shuffle? Well, you definitely feel bad for uh, Redeem just because he's been hurt uh, so mm -hmm. much um, from the very his, his very first season with the Sharks, 2018-19. Um, you know, he's a guy that, and, and David Quinn alluded to it that um, you know uh, Shimmick's a competitor, uh, always practices well. I mean, he, he's he's really in a lot of ways. Uh, 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 I think a, a, a model like number seven defenseman, he can be at least if he could stay healthy. And um, he, he is a guy that you like to have on your team. But the Sharks have a lot of guys sort of of his upside right now. And uh, they have guys waiting in the wings, too, that haven't got their shot yet. You know, Emerson got his first game yesterday. Uh, Ahotiak is with the Barracuda now on a conditioning assignment. They're going to give him his shot. And so it just sort of became, a, 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 I guess, a place where Shimmick just, there wasn't a spot on lineup for him. And his contract is too big for anybody to pick up. You know, he's, I think he's 2.25 million. Um, if he was making half that, then maybe someone would have picked him up or he was sure. to be tradable. Um, but, and I don't think the Sharks want to use their, they have one retainment spot left. So I don't think they want to use it on, on Redeem at this, you know, they want to wait till the trade deadline and maybe they'll use it on a Hoffman or something like that. Um, so there just really wasn't anything to do with him. He wasn't going to play on the Sharks necessarily. Mm -hmm. And he still might, you know, with injuries and, you know, Mark Everett Vlasic just got, you know, a bench last night. So there might be a, a spot on the Sharks sooner than expected maybe. Yeah. Uh, but um, at the, you know, at the time of waving him, you know, there just wasn't, wasn't, didn't seem to be like there, there would be a spot on the Sharks for him. Um, and so it's unfortunate. Um, I know that, um, you know, I know a lot of people also bemoan his contract. Oh, you know, Doug Wilson giving a, a bottom pairing defenseman uh, $2 million a, a year. And, yeah, you know, I think you, you definitely, you know, Doug made a, 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 a you know, obviously a, a lot of contracts blew up in Doug's face at the end there. <laughs> yeah, just a but, few. But just a few. But I would remind people, though, that when these contracts were signed, that the cap was expected to go up mm -hmm. and up and up. And so uh, bottom pairing defensemen like like Redeem, who did a capable job moonlighting with, with, with Brent Burns, right? The first year. Everyone remembers that, right? So a bottom pairing guy that can moonlight in the top four and not look out of place, which is, I think, maybe what they thought Shimmick was. And he didn't turn out to be quite that. But um, yeah. 
you know, and with in a in a cap that's blowing up, uh, two million isn't as is. If you look at it that way, it it isn't as awful as it seems. But obviously, with COVID and, and whatnot, then that 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 helped make the contract untradeable, uh, along with uh, Redeem's injuries. And um, now we've got uh, down with the Barracuda a few. We'll call them veteran guys. We've got Redeem down there. Leon Gavanka doing yeah. pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's going to be a, maybe one or two more when people get rid could of be injury. could be McDonald McDonald's uh, the the last guy that's that's uh, like coming back uh, that uh, may you know may may be with the Sharks but may get waived um, mm-hmm. and obviously we have a Hotiak uh, down there too who's gonna you know who who's gonna get a shot at some point this year. Yeah, so he's gonna be on like a conditioning stint basically for yep. a stint for a little while with the Barracuda until he gets uh brought or still he can't be on it anymore. I would imagine. Until he gets conditioned. <laughs> yeah, until he gets reconditioned uh, and then brought back up. So I wonder if they just run with eight defenders the whole year, because they probably don't want to lose either Hotuk or Emerson unless they don't see anything in either one of those players mm-hmm. and they wave them. But yeah, they're so young that they're twenty two and twenty three. I think they'll probably keep them up and then uh, that unless there's uh and obviously accounting for more injuries they could be um pretty useful especially if somebody yeah. goes out long term we got a few uh, veteran guys that are um kind of you know getting up in age and may need some days off basically including one mark edward Vlasic who may need a little while more off. than a few days off at this rate we'll see yeah <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll talk about a little bit the um just some some guys uh, that we've men- or seen throughout the first week that mm-hmm. were um, stuck out or had some stories about, but for now let's let's go with the the rest of the news of the week, and that includes um, Couture still being out with injury, uh, as well as Michael Granlin being out with injury. So there's good news on Granlin. Granlin's on his road trip. Um, he mm-hmm. participated in morning skate uh, yesterday. It was it was a it was a full participation morning skate too, which basically means that it was basically a practice, just a shorter one, and he participated uh, throughout all of it, and so. Um, that's a good sign. It sounds like uh, Quinn is a very, very optimistic that he'll play on this road trip. Uh, again, you know, Granlin has a kind of injury that, um, you know, we don't know for sure, but, you know, soft tissue, that sort of thing, right? Where, like, you you want to make sure it's 100% healed, uh, and there's a chance that it can reverse itself and, you know, he's progressing and then he's not. Or he can be really better and he can, you know, play a couple of nights from now. You know, for a second there, I thought he might play in yesterday's game because he was taking part in some of the lines and morning skate and um, uh, looking pretty good at it. Um, but uh, I will say that uh, I'm, I'm in Nashville now. I saw uh, I saw Granlin after practice. And you just, sometimes you can tell after practice, you know, when a guy's trying out an injury, you know, if he's unhappy, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like, oh, maybe it didn't go out too well for him, you know, with his injury, right? Grant Granlin was in good spirits after practice. So I, I, I think that things are pointing well for him uh, mm-hmm. with Couture. Unfortunately, um, he uh, did not travel, uh, which suggests that he's a bit farther away than Granlin, even if their injuries sound similar ish. So, uh, again, I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but, uh, sure. but I assume that Couture is skating back in San Jose. Do I need to check actually with uh, David Quinn on that to make sure that he, he still is because his sure. skating has been a little like he's skated for a couple of days and he took off a little bit. And um, you know, that those aren't good signs. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the sharks sorely, <laughs> surely uh, really badly miss uh, grand Lennon Couture. Oh, uh, I'll say that on our offense. Cause I mean, not, not specifically, Grandlin, well, but Couture, defensively too. Sure. 
and defensively. Yeah. Um, they don't have, and we'll talk about this when we do like the player by player, but the the lineup is just not full of guys that should be in like a top six. And it's um, becoming pretty apparent every single night that they just cannot keep up. Like their first line gets dominated every night, pretty much. Um, they're like, occasionally the fourth line will look okay um, and decent enough. And then the middle two lines just look terrible most nights. So that's kind of where we're at. So uh, David Quinn, soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, David Quinn said uh, after the Boston game, um, yeah, about Couture and Randland that we haven't lost uh, just two players; we've lost six. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Really, David?" But actually, though, he, he, the point he was making though makes some sense is that uh, if you lose those two centers, you also are losing guys that uh, really help your wingers out, which they do. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you talked about like how the second and third lines just don't look like, you know, just are sort of non-existent out there. And a lot of it is probably because they have guys centering them that like shouldn't be that high up centering. And, you know, no, no offense to, uh, you know, Thomas Bordalo or Jacob Peterson or um, even a, a Nico Sturm on a, on a second line, at least. Oh, you know, you know, Nico, you know, <clears throat> can kind of masquerade a little better because Nico's, you know, is always competitive and 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 you know trying you know you know trying his butt off um but you don't have i mean yeah i mean that that's a that's a big drop off from you know couture who is still i think a, like a, a top you know <clears throat> a top second line center in this league who can like hurdle he can he can play to one c for a bit too and sure. uh granlin um you know of course granlin was crescent mark coming into the season but if granlin is who he was before then he's not that far from a uh, couture or, or hurdle and so you've lost you know two of your three best players actually now yeah uh, uh, uh they're, they're out of the lineup and again, you know, they also do, you know, to to Quinn's point of losing six players, uh, mm-hmm. they 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 do, you know, uh, uh, make their line mates better. Yeah. Um, hopefully soon. The Sharks really need yeah, them back. Yeah, at least Granlin, yeah, will, should mm-hmm. be soon. Uh, Couture, I'm not really sure. So, not yeah, we'll sure. have to check up on that one. All right. The last bit of news um, from this week is uh, the Mackenzie Blackwood um, <laughs> kerfuffle. Um, I'll say that I saw highlights of it, so I didn't watch the entirety of the the last game on Sun uh, on Saturday. I watched uh, bits. Oh, and lucky pieces. you! I know. <laughs> no, I was at a wedding, so it was. Uh, I had a reason. Wow, <laughs> lucky, lucky you! Yeah, uh, yeah. open bar and <laughs> unlimited trim cocktails, and you don't have to watch the sharks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, what exactly happened? And um, I wonder what the response is going to be about it. So, Chang, walk us through what, what, it, what happened with it, first of all. Sure. Uh, so this was uh, near the end of the game, uh, about four minutes left. Uh, the Preds were up five to one. Um, Roman Yossi uh, flew, uh, flew, like, tried to attack the net and, and clipped uh, uh, Blackwood in the head, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sending Blackwood sprawling. Um but then, uh, and there, and you know, in Philippe Forsberg's uh, defense, uh, uh, the whistle hadn't blown yet. There was a loose puck, and so Forsberg literally jumped in the air and, in effect, body slammed Blackwood, who was still prone on the ground, to, yep. for a reason, to 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 get the puck in. And as Forsberg was in the air, then the whistle blew, 
And so obviously that that goal, which Forsberg did put in, but it that but that was waved off. Mm-hmm. I don't think up to there there's I don't I don't think like anyone is no one is accusing Forsberg of being this dirty player. Like he he was trying to score a goal there. So even though yeah. on a replay, if you look at it, it looks like he's jumping up like uh I don't know if you I don't know if if, if uh, any if I don't know if you ever read Calvin and Hobbes, but like Hobbes uh, jumping on Calvin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's like that freeze frame moment where Forsberg's in the air. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> you yeah. know that Greta, <laughs> he's just gonna be coming down on, on, on poor Calvin there. So mm-hmm. um anyway though. So up to that point, it, it's I I think it's understandable. But what happens afterward is that the Sharks do nothing, and the Sharks on the ice: uh, Matt Benning, uh, Mero Ferraro, Willie Mecklin, Kevin LeBanc, Jacob Peterson. To a man, they they kind of just let Forsberg uh, uh, skate off the ice, and you know, no one's saying that that anyone needs to injure Forsberg. No one's asking for that. Yeah. But I think you know, and I I I I think that some people have mistaken. It's not like no one is suggesting again that anyone injures Forsberg. No, no one is yeah. su- suggesting that the Sharks need to get into like this fight, etc. Um, but after the <clears throat> anyway, after the game, uh, you know, Tomas Hurdle uh, expressed you know a, a significant disappointment that nobody did anything. And some people are like, "Well, why did you do anything, Tomas?" But he gets suspended um, if he gets. Well, yeah, that's like a, like no one, no one. So he's not saying that anybody's got to jump off the bench and and, yeah. and 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 you know and punch Forsberg. And Andrew Burnett was very very smart. Uh, Notice that uh, Forsberg didn't play the rest of that game. <laughs> <laughs> so there there wasn't a chance for anybody else to do anything in a normal circumstance you know like mm-hmm. yeah you can leave the bench and do something but yeah then 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 that's that goes a bridge too far you know because then you probably get suspended and that's not what anybody is asking for but i i yeah. think that the reason why hurdle was upset that quinn was upset afterwards right was and this is my opinion actually. I'm gonna I'm gonna dig it. Today's an off day for the Sharks. They they flew to Florida yesterday. I'm gonna I'm joining. I'm going to Florida too. So I'm going to to question them about this. Uh, but I think it's not about you know hurting the other team or or whatever, right? It's more about at that moment the lack of engagement. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's do I blame the Sharks for? for lacking engagement when they're, they're on, yeah, they're on their dirt straight loss. They're always four and one. They're, they're getting their ass handed to them again, you know, five to one at that point. Right. No, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't blame them for being checked out, but that's still a bad sign though. You know, if, if they're mm-hmm. checked out, we're five games into the season, you know, and your and your goalie just got unintentionally body slammed and yeah. you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't react to it at all. It's kind of like, Maybe a, I, I'm a little bit sorry to interrupt you. I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit um, more disappointed in like Ferraro and Benning than I am the, the three forwards only because Ferraro yeah, and Benning are, are established, right? Like they're not getting bent. Well, they might get benched, but they're not getting like removed from the team if they do anything wrong. Like LeBanc, Eklund, and Peterson are all fighting for spots still, right? Like LeBanc has been scratched. I think LeBanc's a veteran though. And so he, I, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, either I'm, way. He um he's still like 
in and out of the lineup. So if he takes a two minute penalty there for you know, face no, that, I disagree. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in there. Know. No, no one, no one like Turtle said it directly. Like you got, we're losing five to one. No one cares. I agree, but I'm sorry, I'm giving them minutes. a little bit of credence. No, Lebanc like, doesn't. I'm sorry. I I and I. It's not to to pile on Kevin. Like, yeah. um, he's a veteran there. You know, like sure. if you want to give uh, uh, Jacob and William a little bit of a pass, then sure. that's that's I I I, I that's fine. Uh, but um. You know, Kevin. Kevin's Kevin is the longer tenured with the Sharks than 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 Ferraro. He's I think the yeah. fourth longest tenured Shark right now, or third with Couture, Vlasic, yeah, and uh, and uh, Hurdle. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so so LeBank, 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 LeBank should know better. Um, Benning should know better. Ferraro should know better. Benning especially. You know, Benning was right next to to Forsberg. And David Quinn is something pointed after the game too. David Quinn said that. Um, you know, that can't happen. I don't care if it's your yeah. friend. That can happen. Something to that effect, right? And guess who played for on the Predators for a number of years? Um, Matt Benning. Um, and I assume that he and Philip Forsberg were, were friends. <laughs> yeah. So so there's something to 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 dig there. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I again I, I I will I will I guess I, I think I think LeBanc sh- one of the veterans should have should have done something, you know. You know, again, you know, what I'm trying to say is that I don't know what their their mindset is there because they're they're losing pretty horribly. Well, that's what I'm saying. Losing. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're so they like, probably were checked out. They're just like, oh, you know, they're either they're either checked yeah. out or they're afraid to make mistakes. And that one I don't agree with because there's what's the mistake there? If, if you I mean, if I anything, they, knowing, knowing hockey is, culture <laughs> like like Kevin LeBanc probably earns earns a five year contract if, if he. He might. If, if he jumped that, Forsberg there, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's good for Quinn to to verify that. Yes, you should defend your goaltender. <laughs> it's good for him to to verify that so that it's in their minds that they should do something. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Also, there's they're not physical dudes, right? Peterson, LeBanc, and Eklund are but not. But it's not about being physical, fighters. though. I it's know, about I know. it's it's about standing up for your team. Uh-huh. Again, so it's not about it's not about physicality. No one again is asking them to fight Forsberg. No one is asking them to to like elbow Forsberg in the head. No one is yeah. suggesting anything like that, right? I mean, uh, let's be honest. LeBanc has taken plenty of penalties in his life, right? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So another penalty wouldn't wouldn't have hurt. So and, and I, I would not have been upset at all if Eklund had like thrown right, like, and a that would have been a, a I, honestly I think it been that great, would have been but... a story if, if Eklund was the one mm-hmm. to stand up. Everyone would have been like, all right, you know, go, you know, mm-hmm. go, William, you know. And so it's the fact that no one on the ice stood up at that moment for 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 their guy. And like mm-hmm. I said, I think it doesn't speak to none of these guys, you know, on the ice that we're talking about, right? None of the sharks. Like no one wants to see block would hurt. No one is, sure. you know. But I, I think again, my guess, and again, I'll I'll dig into tomorrow. This is just my guess right now, the day after. Uh, but I totally get where Hurdle and Quinn are coming from, and uh, but to me, it speaks to not so much that like it's a bad locker room, which Hurdle made clear to say a couple of times that I, that he thought the locker room was great, that you know, and I believe him, you know, uh, you know, good guys, people like each other, all that kind of stuff. I believe all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But um, so that that may all well be true. But to me, again, it speaks. The larger issue is just, just you know, you're zonked out, you're checked out, 
five games into the season, right? Which which is mm-hmm. a bad, bad sign because guess what? We've got 77 more games. <laughs> yeah. 77, 70, yeah, 77 more times around the sun here uh, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that we got to get through. And so like last year, if you're already checked out, uh, that's 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 a little tough to come back from. And so I think that's that's a little bit more more the issue that um, that uh, that that we're kind of at that point once again, like we were uh, last year. And because mm-hmm. um, I think the the thing that they've outlined repeatedly since this whole teardown or since that Greer is started was like they want uh, com- like to compete. They want dudes that are like heart and soul for the Sharks. And if, if all else fails and you're still losing a ton of games, at least they could say that we made it you know, entertaining. We made it like we're trying. And yeah. uh, that doesn't show trying. That wasn't trying. Yeah, that was yeah. just like, uh, let's just get on the plane and let's, you know, get yeah, let's be get done. Florida. Get Florida. Yeah. Get over Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, so I don't know. I, I'm a little bit upset about it, but I, I do put it more on Ferraro and Benning than I do the forwards just because of the way that the. Oh, you're just are. a Kevin LeBanc lover, so. I do love LeBanc. <laughs> no, uh, and, and also, I do I wish Eklund did like a little bit of a. You know. Oh, any of those guys. Yeah. I mean, like, again, I, I, we, I, you can give Eklund and Peterson a little bit of a pass because they're younger, uh, not as many NHL games, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Right. But if one of them had kind of, you know, that was, you know, a lot of times you have these opportunities to show something. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was an opportunity to show something that, that, sure. that, uh, we may not have known, you know, was mm-hmm. so much a part of their DNA. And but now, if Eklund drops the gloves and breaks his hand, then we're all like, that's, why did Eklund drop the gloves and break his hand? But but we would have respected the intention at least, though. Yeah. But of course, you don't want him to drop. The, you don't want him to get in a fight there. But yeah. I think the, the um, other uh, other other part of it too is that um, uh, hopefully uh, that uh, Eklund and uh, mm-hmm. Peter said that maybe they learn from it. You know, they they learn kind of what they should do the sure. next time, even if they're not the biggest strongest dudes. You know that yeah if a guy basically body slams your goalie like he can't just skate back to the bench <laughs> yeah do something you're still in this fight yeah let let let, let the dude know that like hey that that mm-hmm. wasn't cool even if like yeah you're trying to score a goal there i get that but like yeah mm-hmm. um I, I didn't realize how bad it was I, I was you know watching it live and the angle i had like at first i thought it was just yossi clipping black which is not great you know but it's kind of normal in the course of play when you're trying to crash the net and get to the puck sure. that 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 happens that you can run into the goalie right and the the you know there was a goal that 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 was waved off there uh goalie interference but no penalty called and that seemed about right to me right i didn't mm-hmm. really see the forsberg thing until until later actually quinn corrected me because uh originally the we had we got uh, Tom Ashurdo and Nico Sturm first yesterday in terms of interviews mm-hmm. post game, and I, I I referred to Romy Yossi running uh, Blackwood, and then uh, Quinn corrected me and said it was Forsberg, and I watched the replay and I was like, oh, that looks way worse than than I thought because I didn't see I didn't see the 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 Forsberg uh, coming in late and just jump, basically you know jumping body slamming uh, Blackwood until yeah. until afterwards like oh. Yeah, now now I really now I get why why these guys are so so upset and so yeah yeah so next time uh, <laughs> that's what we, we want it's just a little bit more of a fight but that's okay um, 
speaking of um, the Sharks being very, very bad, I think the only bold prediction that I am on track for is that the Sharks will have the worst record in the in the NHL. And no, that which was not even, a bold prediction. Not even bold. <laughs> um, our bold predictions, we'll, we'll check in on them uh, yeah. maybe, every week, maybe every other week and see how we're doing. They're looking pretty bad, but I don't I don't think we want to check. Bad. I actually want to, want, to, want, to, want to bury this time cap. So, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. My worst uh, one so far is Barabanov as the team leader, and he has zero points. Declare as a team's leading goal scorer, too. Um, he has one. He has one. The team leader is two, so he's yes. getting pretty good. <laughs> yes, but he hasn't really got a lot of chances, though. Um, oh, so, no. um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, have the, I have the Sharks at 70-plus points. Uh, no. And I have a Henry Thrun. This one's already wrong. Like uh, no. Henry Thrun sticking the whole season with the Sharks, so that mm-hmm. <laughs> that has already I, or, already gone wrong. Eklund is not on pace for forty points. Nope. Um, he's got one. He's got one. <laughs> it was a pretty cool goal. <laughs> yeah, one is uh, one is uh, on the way to forty. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, Zadina might still score over team. twenty goals. Yeah, Zadina still on might. The team. He said, that was actually that's a pretty good one because he started off pretty hot. He has yeah. two goals right now. Yeah, team leader. Um, yeah. Uh, that's uh, on pace for 32 goals. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, but we'll see. You know, we're not going to revisit this every couple of weeks because, because I, I I think maybe. we'll lose all credibility. <laughs> Halfway through the season and then at the end of the season. We'll just. Yeah, sure. Maybe. We'll maybe then. Maybe they then, don't look. Then. They don't look great. So. It's not looking you know good, what? though. It's not looking they're good. They're bold so. for a reason. Yeah. Because uh, they're wrong. <laughs> 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 all right. Let's do a little bit of a wrap up of some of the. the um, the players or, or things yeah, our impressions, from the first right? few yeah. weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so just to run down some stats, our points leader is Tomas Hurdle, who has five points in five games. I think we talked about it a little bit before the show. He looks like a top six forward. He looks like a, well, you know, borderline first and second line forward, at least on a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have a lot of help around him right now. Nope. Yeah, his wingers have least... very cooperative. He's at least probably the most consistent Sharks forward right now. He's a minus one, five points. Great. Yeah, I, I what they signed him for. I, I think I think people expect uh, a lot from Tomas just because of his contract mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. But look, like you know, he like you know, we talked last year about uh, Tomas putting too much pressure on himself, right? Like, mm-hmm. how can he not have the weight of the world now on him because like he <laughs> doesn't have uh, if Tomas is your top center, he doesn't have his 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 two C and Couture, and he doesn't have a three C and uh, and Granlin behind him. I mean, he just he's he's got he's got he's got he's got no he's got nobody behind him. And his wingers this year, you know, we talked about Barabanov, right? Uh, Barabanov is off to a slow start overall, I think. Um, Declare is off to a slow start; those are his his main wingers, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so he's not, I don't think he's getting a lot of help there, but through it all though, you know, Tomas has made some plays, you know, uh, Zetterlin's goal was a great stretch pass by him. Declare's goal was uh, a Tomas Shurdo, a, a lead pass there. Um, he's been, he's been, he's been pretty good. I, I don't think he's been great. Uh, uh, you know, he is probably more on the okay side, but not a backhanded. Okay. Like actually okay. Or, or decent so far this year. Sure. Um, he hasn't elevated his game and carried his team, but I don't even know if that's Tom Osherdo, you know, like, I don't think he is that, that guy, you know, he's a guy that on a good team is going to be a great part, but he's mm-hmm. not going to be, um, the, a number one, he's not your Sidney Crosby. He's yeah. He's just not, he, he, that's just mm-hmm. not never who, 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 who he's been. Yeah. 
And I know his contract makes people think that he should do that. But I think, I think all in all though, he, um, let's just say he's, he's not, he's not the reason, he's not the reason why the Sharks are zero, four and one. <laughs> so, he hasn't no, a problematic. So. Not on him. Yeah. Um, he has the most assists in the team with four. The second most assists is actually Henry Thrun, which is funny with two. <laughs> Um, who's back now with the Barracuda. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, back to some forwards. You mentioned like Barabanov is struggling, um, and uh, Granlin looked okay for the one game, but um, who else has is, is kind of been struggling from the forward group, do you think? Uh, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> everybody. <laughs> who hasn't been? <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, let's start with Barabanov, just because you, you, you mentioned him. Um, yeah, you know, uh, Barabanov, uh, you know, he's, he's made some moves, made some plays, but um, just... Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think a lot of a, a lot of a lot of the the, the sharks uh, um, forwards this year, a lot of their you know guys are expected more out of Hoffman, Duclair. Mm-hmm. I they're all in really kind of the same bucket. Even yeah, Barabanov, right? I know. I think Hoffman gets a little more flack online for some reason. I don't know if he's been any any, any worse than Duclair or Barabanov. You know, I think, I think he's just slower. That's it. Yeah, he might be he a slower. That a might be slower, it. So people give uh, but, him a little bit of a hard time because he looks a little bit like he's behind the play. Yeah, but, but you know, Hoffman Hoffman has you know made some some nice passes. He's you know he's he's sure. done some he's done some good things too. Like Barabona has done some good things and declared, but just not a a lot of good things. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's the, and that's all those guys. And so all those guys, um, you hope that 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 game comes around for them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and if it if it doesn't, then yeah, it's going to be a, a long, long season. Yeah, looking at the the stat sheet, it's pretty ugly. Declare's got one goal, Hoffman's got one assist, Barabanov is has been shut out uh, for uh, for the season. Yeah. And just how you know all of them to a man just haven't created enough. You know, Hoffman, uh, you know Hoffman's a shooter. The first four games of the season, he had just four shots, uh, one shot a game. And I know he was on the point of the power play, which is not a shooting area. You know, that's sure. you know, a little a little farther. You're more of a distributor there. But uh, Hoffman had four shots uh, against Nashville. So he had, he had as many shots in one game than he, than he had had for the entire season. The same number of shots in one game that, that he had the, 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 uh, before that. Um, so... There's, yeah. yeah, there's, there, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a lot. That, I mean, even like in terms of veterans, who we can throw in a Luke Cunin, who has had a lot of chances, especially the first couple of games, just hasn't finished. And um, I think it's a good sign that he's getting the chances. I mean, I, I do. I'm not just trying to be a, like uh, just point paint a rosy picture. Like he's getting to to good places on the ice. Yeah. That he is getting there, you know, like so, you know, he looks like he's skating well after his, his knee surgery. But you know, Cunin's not the, not a pure finisher. You think he's a decent finisher, but sure. he's he's not like a pure thirty goal, forty goal, whatever kind of guy, right? I think kind of like we mentioned earlier with the the center depth being so poor is that all these mm-hmm. guys are like complementary wingers that generally, if they have a good center who's doing the majority of the dirty right. work or the hard work. Um, they can thrive, but they yeah. don't. <laughs> so right, 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 right. Yeah, you're 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 missing the position of strength for the Sharks this coming into the season was, I thought it was center, uh, mm-hmm. because uh, between uh, Hurdle, Krator, and Granlin and Sturm, but yeah. now you you're missing two of those four, and you can you know we can yeah like like you can tell the difference right. Um, so I think the fourth line has looked okay. And yeah. typically when they have enough depth, they run Sturm, Zadina, or no, sorry, Sturm, Zetterland, um, and either Smith or, or another winger there, basically. Yeah. Um, I think it's looked good. 
they're, yeah, they're like I, I, finishing I, I, their I checks. Agree. They're like getting a little bit of zone time. They don't, but it's like a consistent unit, right? And they have a good center for a fourth line center there. So it, it makes sense that they're doing okay. Um, it's always a bad sign though. If your fourth line is your best line, like I, I've yeah. <laughs> like any, any game I've covered or, or, or I've noted, the the sharks or other teams I covered oh the you know fourth line's having a really strong night they look like the the, the best line out there is a game that the team is losing almost every time. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So the fourth line's the only one that can generate any possession. Right. They happen to beat the other team's fourth line, but that doesn't matter. The yeah, because they're not scoring. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, they're necessarily from there. Non, they're not on the power play or whatever. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, so. um you know, on paper going into the season, it looked, you know, like uh, there was some promise with Duclair, mm. Hoffman, and Barabanov, you know, kind of in your winger group and Kunin. Uh, but obviously mm. it hasn't manifested itself. And, you know, right now you're, I'm thinking more about it. It's hard to not think about that. Like as great a track record as Duclair and Hoffman have, they're also coming off of bad seasons. You know, Hoffman sure. has had two straight down seasons and he's 33, you know, Duclair coming off of Achilles injury last year and only scored two goals with the Panthers looked pretty good in the playoffs, but um, that's, that's so, 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 you know, we talked, you know, during the summer, we, we try to paint or we try to look at the bright side of things. If, if all these guys hit, the Sharks yeah. only have like a, a good looking forward group, including Granlin and, you know, Couture being healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. We didn't really talk that much about what if these guys don't hit <laughs> because, you know, uh, you know, I did mention it, you know, like the Sharks brought in a bunch of guys to score in Zadina, uh, Duclair and Hoffman, you know, between those mm-hmm. three guys, I think those three guys scored 20, 20 goals last year, maybe 19 goals <laughs> between the three. So, yeah. You know, it was it was sort of a a, a lot of a hope, you know, optimism, and based on <laughs> some yeah, hopium, based on some real things like it. You know, obviously, you know, Declare and Hoffman have good scoring track records, but mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, the what have you done for me lately? They they uh, haven't they hadn't done a lot lately, and uh, they haven't done anything lately for the Sharks. Yeah, um, so. Besides that, let's ramp up with the forward group with just talking about the young guys, um, mm-hmm. and then we'll move to the defense and the goaltenders. But the young guys, Peterson, Eklund, and Bortolo, um, specifically, I guess Zadina as well, uh, kind of varying degrees of success there. Zadina's done well. Um, I think it's interesting he got moved down to like the fourth line, um, the pseudo fourth line. Like for the I, I, I have a word about that, though. Yeah. Sure. But then um, I think Eklund has been. He's competing. I will say that Eklund yeah. is skating really, yeah. really hard. Um, and he he did have one good goal. He is still trying to figure out exactly how long he can hold the puck for. There was one play in particular in Boston where he lost the puck behind the net and went the other way, and they scored. Yeah, um, uh, Forbert. Forbert wasn't buying his spin spin move pass. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah. Derek Forbert kind of just it was just the funniest thing watching that goal because he or watching that play because he. Eklund spinning, like, yeah, like going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And forward before Eklund does his last turn, he turns before then and just cuts him off. Like he knew he was going that way before he did it. It's like uh it's it's like a little like point guard, like you know, all these yeah. like fancy dribbles, you know, around like the Kenby Matumbo, some seven footer, and then finally when this little point guard goes up for a shot, the seven footer just raises his arms up. <laughs> The yeah, block. <laughs> so, you know, but I, I do appreciate Eklund trying, and he is one of the few guys in the Sharks that can hold the puck for that long. Yeah, that's something. But uh, yeah, he's still learning. Um, but I would keep him on the team. Bordalo, I don't think has looked 
particularly impressive. Um, I think he's getting a little bit lost in the physicality of the NHL. Just watching him, he's kind of getting he's getting ground out on the boards a lot, and he's losing the puck um, during those um, physical plays against the wall. And he's also just not creative right now. So yeah, and he's asked yeah. to do a lot, right? Like second right. line center, third line center, whatever he's playing, right? And yeah. I don't think it's working out so far. Yeah, um, I, let's uh I'll go back to 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 Eklund too. You know, sure. you see some good flashes too. Um, uh, really good forecheck actually the last game against McDonough. Took the puck from from McDonough. That's a very veteran defenseman, and so you see a little bit uh a little bit of that. But you also see you mentioned Bordello losing some battles. Eklund has lost them too. I think mm-hmm. the Boston game I know in, in particular was was a little tough for him in those kind of ways. Some of the just getting the puck taken off of him on on the yeah. breakout and things like that, right? Um, and I think that's going to happen with younger, inexperienced players like Eklund and Bordello, and also smaller players like like the both of them are. But mm-hmm. I think Eklund has shown a little bit more in terms of just on the forecheck and uh, a little bit more than 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 Bordello has. Um, Bordello, um, though, like you mentioned, there's been a lot you know heaped on him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's playing higher up than than yeah than than you maybe want at this at this point of of his development. Um, I hope that, you know, I hope it's not, I don't know, like, like, uh, like, uh, like, I, 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 I think that he is ticketed back for the Barracuda when the, when the, when the Sharks get healthier. And mm-hmm. it could be as soon as Granlin uh, rejoining. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not saying that's the case, but could be, though, uh, uh, because that would be the natural spot for, uh, for Granlin to take there. Um, yeah. But anyway, though, I you know I I hope he I hope he can go down with kind of a a a good attitude and work on what he's got to work on because you still do see some good talent out there some mm-hmm. but yeah like it just yeah it doesn't it's not quite enough at this point though to to kind of make uh make I I make an impact you know um sure. you know I think I think I think Eklund is sort of Eklund's not been I would say good to start the season but mm-hmm. I think he's sort of on the bubble like kind of you know like. He's, he feels close. He feels closer yeah. than Borlo just because, just because uh, of uh, I think uh, I think, I think Atlanta is better in other areas of the games. And then, I think, than yeah, Borlo. I think he's figured out the speed and the 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 this the you know the pace of play a little bit better. And he seems like he belongs a little better, a little better. Yeah, yeah. I a mean, I, yeah, no, I don't think either of them have been particularly good, but I I sure. do think that he's yeah, Eklund's been a, a little. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, better uh, with the Zadina. Um, I like a lot of what Zina, Zadina has done offensively. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of energy offensively, and I think he and probably uh, uh, right behind Hurdle have been uh, the Sharks' best offensive players so far. Sure. Um, but Zadina is very rough defensively, and I don't, I don't think people notice that uh, uh, enough. And I wrote a little bit about that. I think after the first or second game. Um, uh, which which goal the uh, Vegas Nick Hague goal? Uh, mm-hmm. Nick Hague was wide open there, right? And yes, Capocacca yeah. needs to stop that shot. But the reason why Hague is wide open there is because Zadina was running around defensively. And mm-hmm. um, yesterday you saw too uh, with um, don't remember which goal was scored, but the one where uh, Zadina and Emerson get caught caught up together too. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and you know Zadina probably should be uh, trying to cut off the point there. Um, but yeah, I think Zadina is trying to chase, chase, chase somebody along the wall. And I know Zadina has been on the, on the PK. 
Um, but it doesn't mean that he has a refined defensive game. I mean, the PK hasn't looked great. And um, they're, that's another area where they're clearly missing uh, Couture and Granlin. Two guys who would definitely be on the PK. And then your PK becomes Granlin, Couture, uh, Sturm, and Kunin, which makes sense. Uh, sure. Instead of uh, Sturm, Kunin, and really just been a carousel of guys down there. Duclair's been there. Zadina's been there. Hurdle's been there. Um, and just it's it, it hasn't been good. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. Eklund too. I mean, they tried Eklund a little bit there. It's been it's been ugly there, um, and so I think Zena still has a lot to work on in terms of uh, on the defensive side. Um, I will say I did ask Quinn uh, yesterday because Zadina didn't play a lot yesterday, and uh, Quinn said, uh, you know, Quinn didn't say it was anything particular. He just said that you know sometimes when you got eleven forwards, you know, you get lost in the shuffle a little bit, and and so so we'll see we'll see if that if that's uh, uh, Quinn not you know wanting to kind of roast uh uh mm-hmm. not not feeling that necessary to roast this guy in public like he roasted uh, mark edward vlasic sure. um but so we'll see on that but um you know I, I i guess the reason why i i, I focus on zadina's uh shortcomings is that you know people seem uh you know people seem to think they've seen some of the goals they've seen some of the energy it's great right but like he is not a finished product by any means you know like not even close and so like yeah, he's not untouchable in the, in the lineup. I guess is 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 a, is a way I'm putting it. You know what I mean? Like there are very there are very obvious things that he still needs to improve on. Uh, and uh, before you start, you know, kind of counting him as oh, you know, like like he's he can't be moved in the lineup. What's what's he doing on on the mm-hmm. on the so on so forth? You know, he's got to score twenty line. goals this year, so <laughs> <laughs> he's got to find a way to get to twenty goals. Well, he's gonna stay in the line for other reasons, though, and so I do like like he's competitive, and I don't I don't think there's any questions about that. He's been he's been okay on battles. He's always willing to engage, which 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 was I like, you know, like I've seen him knocked yeah. down a couple times, which I like because he's willing to get in there and get knocked down, you know, and willing mm-hmm. to go up against bigger, stronger players. So so I, I I've liked that, and I think he'll he'll be fine. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, uh, but but Let's, he's not uh... he's not finished, yeah. Let's uh, round out this episode because we're going a little bit long with our interview as well okay. um, with sure. the defense and goaltenders. Um, okay. So we have obviously news that Vlasic had gotten um, benched uh, basically uh, in the last um, the last game. Um, the defense as a whole, how would you uh, rate it? Because I'd give it D plus. <laughs> I don't know what you would give it as. Maybe, maybe C minus. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a, a Dave Chappelle, Rick James skit that uh, I'm mm. not going to repeat on the air. So, but if everyone, uh, <laughs> something about thumbs down. All right. So, <laughs> but, uh, it's um, not been, it's not been great. It hasn't um, been great, but the forest haven't been great. It's all connected too. So I'm, sure. you know, not definitely not going to put it all on the, on the, on the defense. You know, the forwards yeah. have not helped out on the floor check. You know, they've made the defense look bad. Uh, a number of occasions. You know, I wrote about that actually uh, yesterday, I think. Um, the James Van Riemsdyckel. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of that starts with, you know, poor neutral zone back check, forecheck by the Sharks, which puts, you know, Ruda in a very bad position and Vlasic in a very bad position yeah. on, on, on that goal. I did want to mention one more four just to make sure that we mentioned him. Uh, we forgot to mention him. Uh, Fabian Zetterlund has been pretty oh, yeah, good so. to start the season. I, I think I didn't really like his game yesterday. But uh, in general, though, uh, he has uh, shown, a, uh, you know, just a direct north-south game, uh, you know, using his body, uh, you know, taking the body first. You know, mm-hmm. it's actually uh, very pornographic by David Quinn, but David Quinn talks about catching flesh, 
uh, before the puck, you know, like basically yeah. take the body before you worry about the puck. And he said that, mm-hmm. it gets, especially against Carolina, the Sharks are too worried about, you know, trying to dig at the puck and win the puck instead of take the man first and yeah. then worry about the puck, uh, you know, after that, you know, take, you know. And so Zetterlindo has been a guy that uh, has been pretty good about catching mm-hmm. flesh. And so anyway, I uh, want to give give him yeah. give him some props. And also he scored his first goal as a Shark too, which I'm sure, uh, you know, must have been a weight off of him because he went scoreless last season after, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 22 goals. But um, my, uh, my partner's nickname for him, um, mm-hmm. she nicknamed him the Swedish Meatball. Because he is, he's very like he's stocky and he's built, uh, and he plays pretty hard. Um, so the Swedish meatball is the her name for him. Sorry, sorry, Fabian. I mean, maybe he likes that nickname. Who knows? He actually looks kind of like 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 one of the characters that I think about on Aqua Teen Hunger Force. So a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember which character, but uh, I think I think uh, I think uh, if, if if you guys know the show, then you you'll you'll know who I'm talking about. So, but he's built. He's like he's, he's built. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, so he's been good. I agree. He's been he's, yeah. He's been, uh, he's been pretty good. Physical, yeah. yeah. Which is what they want, and he's a good fourth liner, I think, and that's kind of why they not maybe not why they got him in the first place, but they saw something there, and I well, think he's a good fourth liner. I think he's got potential for third line. I think. I think. I think. You know, talking with scouts last year, um, and I had to lean on that because he looked kind of so a bit lost mm-hmm. with the Sharks. Yeah. So I had to lean on what the scout said, and scout said, "Yeah, this is a guy that's going to be." not just a a like third liner but a good third liner sure and so it, it looks like he might be on the way to that at least he's shown some of that promise but anyway let's go to the defense and oh where do, where do we start um <laughs> um you know it's not been good i think one thing i will note is that yeah. Ferraro in there's still a lot of a lot of goals he's on the ice for um but that that comes with him being you know the probably the team leader in, in time on ice for defense, I imagine. Sure. Yeah, he is 22 minutes a night. Um, but he is shooting a lot more. Like, he's just using his shot to try and get some offense from the mm-hmm. point. So I do think that that's an interesting thing because Ferrar's always struggled to find offense. But I think if he keeps that up, he's going to put up points just because there's nobody who's launching the pucks from the point. <laughs> he actually leads the team in shots, which is, you know, not Insane. necessarily yeah. a good thing. <laughs> but, but it's good yeah. that, that that he should. You're right, though, because uh, prior seasons, he probably was, you know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe maybe a shot a game. Uh, right now, he's at 14 shots after five games. I know he had one game where he had like six of them, so it's a little bit skewed mm-hmm. that way. But overall, yeah, you, you, I think you like him being just direct. You know, don't be too fancy with the puck. Just get it on net. Yeah. Um, one thing he does do every once in a while because he skates so well is uh, he can, you know, he can he can he can attack the net. He can, you know, he can mm-hmm. be your like your late man coming up and and provide uh, you know put pressure on the defense that sure. way because he see it so fast and just kind of attack the net. And there's might there not might not be a lot of finish or touch. You know, when he's crashing the net with the puck, but uh, just get it there, and then maybe the forwards will clean it up and bang home the rebound, that kind of stuff, right? Um, and so, yeah, he he's done that. I've seen him do that a couple of times. I will say too, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't believe what I saw yesterday, but uh, you should you should watch. He said he hadn't watched the whole game. Kyle Burroughs actually was the best looking Sharks uh, point man that I've seen this year. Wow, in that game, <laughs> no, in that game at least, no, no joke. Because you know Granlin was supposed to have that job, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. Granlin uh, got hurt the second play of that game, and so mm-hmm. and the power play didn't look that good that game. And it's maybe not fair to judge Granlin based on that game because he was basically basically playing hurt from the second shift on. Um, 
And then Hoffman was on a point. Eh, you know, obviously did not, you know, one of one of his turnovers led to, I think, the Carolina Shore and the goals. So Hoffman didn't look good there. Um, I think they tried Kanishov, they tried Ruda there, you know. Uh, yeah, Kanishov was interesting, but yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't but it's very effective either. Watch, uh, uh, I think it was the, the their second power play that, that you know, uh, Burl showed a little escapability on him. One play, I thought that he was gonna lose the puck for sure on a one on one, he came up with it. Um, all right, direct, you know, direct passes, direct shots. And I, I would say for Burl's too, this season at five on five, that uh, he's he's done a there's been a couple times too where he's he's read well the 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 point man on him. I'm sorry, the winger that's that's uh, that's that's defending the point for the other team mm-hmm. has been too aggressive on him. I think uh, it did against Boston. I think Lucic uh, uh, kind of uh, went, uh, reached, uh, or got too aggressive, and Burroughs just skated past him, made him so available in the slot, and had a, had a, had a good chance from the slot. And he's done that a couple of times uh, this year, so he's made a couple of good reads uh, offensively. Sure. Um, I'm not saying that Kyle Burroughs is going to be a 40, 50-point guy, but yes. – but, <laughs> watch uh watch that power play it's for that one power play he he looked uh he 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 looked uh he looked the part uh and for what it's worth hurdle said that yesterday was the best power play that they've had all season <laughs> so, mm. that's with mr kyle burrows as 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 pp1 so so i don't know if you can keep it up but if you can just do that basic job of uh, yeah i think david quinn put it well asked david about it uh before the game yesterday and and quinn said you know, we're just asking him to move the puck and and shoot when he's got a chance. Uh, we're not asking him to be Picasso. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. And so, yeah, so uh, no Picassos here uh, on, on on the power play. But uh, um, so uh, I'm gonna give a, a Burles a shout out for that. And actually, Burles to me has been a pleasant surprise. I mean, just his physicality, right? Has uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he had another big hit yes uh, yesterday. I, I'm not maybe it was Evangelista, um, but. Um, so Burroughs, I would say has been a pleasant surprise, you know, Mario going back to Mario a little bit, just to cover him a little bit. I mean, he doesn't look that much like to me, when I watch Mario, I see a guy that is a very capable one-on-one defender, uh, mm-hmm. but he can't defend five guys, you know? So if, 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 if things aren't, if, if things aren't going well, like he does like overextend himself and try to do other people's sure. jobs and that gets him in trouble. Right. Um, so he looks, uh, I roughly the, the same to me, um, yep. except for he's shooting more. That's about he's it. shooting. Yeah. And then we'll see how that holds up. He's somebody's, you know, obviously just five games. So we'll see, but sure. if, it, if it is a trend though, it is a good trend. Uh, so mm-hmm. I agree with you there. So hopefully he, he keeps that up. Um, everybody else, um, you know, Kanishov, I, I actually really liked his first game against Colorado. I don't know if he's kept up the consistency, mm-hmm. but he does skate so, so well, which, 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 uh, which, which I like. Surprising. And, yeah, it's After um, his injuries and everything that he's still got right, legs, right, right, does, right, so. right, right, and he's and he's big too. So um, mm-hmm. hopefully he can play himself into sort of uh, I guess a more consistent uh, impact uh, defensively and offensively too, because I think it's really important for a guy like that to always make that first pass, uh, always make that connecting play, and that's where I think he's run into some trouble before in terms of the consistency. Um, who else on the defense? Yeah, uh, Jan Ruda uh, is a guy that uh, I'm hoping to see more from. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I think it doesn't help that you know he he's not the fleetest of, of foot, and so he's not getting yeah. a lot of help. Kind of, he's getting like specifically that Van Rienswijk goal. Right, he looks the worst on it, but yeah. he got put in very bad positions by his forward just on that play. Like um, 
It was uh, Coil pushing back uh, uh, Ruda. Uh, Coil built up speed, uh, and uh, he, I think it was supposed to be Zetterlund. Zetterlund was supposed to mark him, but Zetterlund got mm-hmm. beat up the ice. Like Zetterlund basically was turning as Coil was was hitting uh, hitting his stride. So sure. Coil had basically a huge head start on on, on Zetterlund. Uh, I think Zetterlund was 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 kind of spying out the stretch pass. wasn't wasn't paying uh, wasn't tight enough, paying enough attention it to was, Coil. It- it was Ruta who also had that, uh, basically, where he cut into the neutral zone and tried to pick off a pass, and then right, 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 run. right. I think it was against Vegas, right? Yeah, yeah, that was that yeah. was Vegas. That was the Nicholas Waugh. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I still think you know Thorn could have been better there, but yeah, that was that was bad on both their like parts. Dove, yeah, yeah, got yeah, it was maybe a little too little too uh, aggressive there. Um, Ruta also had that game, uh, and I, you know, I don't pay much attention to individual Corsi, but, uh, that Colorado game, um, where Akinizhov actually, uh, was the only, I think Akinizhov had like a, uh, like a 47 Corsi, which was the mm. highest on the team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> five yeah, on yeah. five, but Ruta, Ruta had, had a spectacular, like five shots for 41 shots mm-hmm. against for a Corsi of like 10%. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> Again, I'm not uh, uh, I'm not like a, a hard yeah. believer in 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 that for just one 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 freaking game. But ten percent is a, pretty bad, though. <laughs> it's a good good segue to, to probably to Vlasic because I think Vlasic had like a historically bad game. Well, that's that's yeah. I mean, that's historically on like on uh, mm-hmm. uh, some measurements, right? So yeah, historically so, to for Corsi. I mean, <laughs> or yeah, not yeah, like yeah, historic, so. but it basically was really really bad um what, what was it again what was i i didn't i didn't look at the exact it was something like three coursey coursey four and like 19 against or something really really bad or something i don't remember exactly okay but the but it was bad um so but yeah he and he subsequently the, the next night he got he got uh he got benched against nashville so yeah so just kind of because I was really hoping that Vlasic still had a little bit left in the tank. Because last year he wasn't mm-hmm. awful, awful. Like he was. Yeah, last last better. year he had some juice. Yeah, and I'm kind of worried that we're running out of juice. And I, possibly. Worry, I wonder what's possibly. I wonder what's going to happen in the off season. Um, I mean, it's always two years left. There's a yeah. possibility they could exercise a buyout, or they could also just. We're coming to the point. Figure yeah. it out. Yeah, so. we're we're coming to that point. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, and what happens throughout the year because i if he keeps sitting consistently i think that's where we're gonna head to but all right so that's our defense yeah uh i mean i'll, I'll finish up with or i'll mention a little bit of lastic though just that um sure it's easy to throw dirt on him just because he's 36 right but we did last year too and he came up last year with a, actually a decent season you know not yeah. like olympian vlasic but he was he was okay last season and 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 i had thrown dirt on him because uh because because bugner had basically shuffled them off into you know he had scratched them a night and was playing uh vlasic like 15 minutes a night taking vlasic off of the penalty kill uh the last Mm -hmm. couple of years there right and you know quinn was uh, able to come in and and you know you know uh you know trusted him and and vlasic responded well to it um and so um Not really. I'm not really ready to close the 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 book on Vlasic, but and also I'll, I'll admit too, you know, like uh, usually when I watch these Sharks games, you know, I watch the younger players because that's the the kind of the future of the Sharks. I don't really watch the veteran players as much, so I'll mm-hmm. I'll start watching Vlasic a little more closely to see because Vlasic, you know, is always the last couple of years is not the greatest, not the fleetest of foot. Um, 
So if you're looking just for that, well, you're not going to see like a, a whole lot there, right? And so you've got to watch him really closely, I think, to to see what's going on in in in, in his game. And um, and so yeah, so I, I I need to do that. Yeah, the so the stat was actually not Corsi for it was expected goals for, and he had a three percent mm-hmm. expected goals for, um, for that for his his efforts there, which is. <laughs> 13 minutes, they gave up 16 shots during his 13 minutes, two goals, 2.8 expected goals, and he had nothing offensively, essentially, mm-hmm. like one shot attempt. So, yeah, it was a very, very bad game for, for Vlasic. Anyway, let's um quick word, like one minute about the goaltenders and, and then get on out of here. Mm-hmm. I think they've been good. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of it. Blackwood had an amazing game that kind of got highlighted by that 51 save effort, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I don't know if he he's obviously not going to continue that high and he's kind of trended a little bit down after that. Um, but they've been solid. And that's kind of what you're hoping for for teams that are or for getting shelled every single night is that they're solid enough um, that occasionally you'll win a game because they can keep, you know, the score underneath four, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. I would and say Kakanen kind of a... um, has sort of like uh, uh, each of the games he's sort of given up a goal that maybe you kind of want back, and so yeah. I think he does need to clean that up a, a little bit. But um, mm-hmm. but though all of them have given the Sharks, you know, that like chance to win, they have, they they have yeah. clearly they've given the Sharks a chance to win because the Sharks have been outplayed in basically every single game, um, and you know Blackwood uh, for the first five periods of, of of his Sharks career was you know the the greatest maybe the greatest uh, five periods of Sharks goaltending in Sharks history right there. I'm mm-hmm. talking about uh, the three periods against the Avalanche and then the first two periods against the Hurricanes. You know, Sharks yeah. were up three to two in a game that they had. They should have been losing six to three already yeah, really after the, after the, after the two periods, and they ended up losing six to three because uh, yeah, the Blackwoods uh, magic couldn't uh, couldn't didn't hold through the third period of that game. But um, mm-hmm. over by and large, though, yeah, they they've uh, uh, they they've they've been uh, uh, pretty uh, pretty good. Um, just uh, don't let uh, Philip Forsberg uh, body slam your goalies, guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep them in the lineup. By, um, make sure they don't get injured, guys. Anyway, all right. Let's um, let's get to the uh, Scott Hannon interview, and then um, we will see you all next week. Uh, it's been a very long episode, so all right, guys. Uh, hope you have a good one. Nice to see you. You might recognize Scott Hannon these days manning the microphone for NBC, but you might also recognize him during his time patrolling the blue line for over a thousand games in the NHL. Hannon was drafted by the Sharks in the first round of the 1997 NHL entry draft and quickly became a fan favorite for his defensive excellence. He played in two stints for San Jose from 1998 to 2007, and then again from 2013 to 2015. He played for Calgary, Colorado, Nashville, and Washington in a grand total of 1,055 regular season and 100 playoff games. He's here to talk about his new role with NBC and how he sees the Sharks moving forward during this rebuild phase. So everybody welcome Scott Hannon. How's it going, guys? Well, Scott, I just wanted to start off first that we have a bit of a family reunion here on this show. And no, guys, it's not between me and Scott. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah, so when I was a kid, um, when I was like 13, 14, uh, a like kind of distant relative uh, told me that my like cousin-in-law had been drafted by the San Jose Sharks. And then my first question was, what's the San Jose Sharks? Um, I wasn't a huge hockey fan. 
uh, at the time. Um, but ever since then, um, after meeting Scott and, and all that, I became a huge San Jose Sharks and hockey fan. So Scott was actually like my first introduction into the, the world of hockey. So that's our family connection to some distant there we relatives. Go. I'm honored by it. I, back in Florida. Back in yeah, Florida. back in Florida, Florida. exactly. I'm not going to lie. San Jose, when I got drafted, I was, it, we had to take me something to look where, where San Jose actually was. But, uh, <laughs> you know, obviously, it made my home there now. Um, wife, kids, kids are playing hockey down here. I even got my American citizenship last year. So it was oh, uh, congratulations. Thank That's you. Awesome. Thank you. Big steps. <laughs> Big steps. Yeah. Uh, what you said reminded me of uh, Patrick Marlowe. You were drafted the same year as Patty in, in the first round, too. Uh, Patty said his first impression of San Jose was he thought it was by the ocean. Of course, San Jose is like a good hour from the ocean. So uh, what was your first impression of San Jose? You know what? It, I, I thought so, too, at first, because, I mean, <laughs> I didn't think I was going to get drafted by San Jose. It was it's actually a funny story. I kind of bombed my my interview, I thought, <laughs> needless to say, oh, no. I I, I guess I didn't. So I had to look up San Jose afterwards. There was a couple other teams I thought maybe. So I was looking at those places. But obviously, I, you know, fell in love with the place. I actually surfed this morning. So even though the ocean's not right there, it's, uh, it's, it's close enough for me. <laughs> where, where are you living right now? Like, uh, how close are you to the ocean? I guess you're not in, like, uh, downtown San Jose proper because that's a good hour away. But Yeah, no, I, I'm out in Almaden. So it's kind of like I live out in Almaden. Oh, wow. But, you oh, know, okay, so it's, right there. It's, but I can be in the water in 45 minutes. You know, I okay. time it pretty good. Yeah, it's it's not too bad. It's mm. not too bad at all. Especially when you grow up in Canada, Vancouver to surf, <laughs> you'd have to you'd have to almost go six six hours driving and a and a ferry ride over to to Fino. So this is way that was always the uh, the claim to fame fame to living in Florida too is you're never more than like 45 minutes from the water, no matter where you are, pretty much because it's one skinny little state. But yeah. Yeah. I, I miss the water too. Uh, Scott, since you bring it up, I wanted to ask then, uh, your draft interview, you thought you bombed it. Let me guess, because I've heard stories, um, not about you, but in, uh, stories about uh, Tim Burke being a particular hard ass in the in the draft <laughs> interview. So is that what happened to you? Yeah, yeah. D uh, Tim really kind of, there was a bunch of guys, and you know, he kind of, I, I don't want to say railroad, but he asked a lot of really, you know, he tried to push your buttons and mm -hmm. needless to say, he pushed a little bit of my buttons. He was going after some of my D partners, my team and everything like that. And, you know, sometimes for him, you know, talking to him afterwards, he's just looking for a reaction. He wants right. to know that what type of character you have. And, you know, needless to say, he laughed. We had a good laugh about it in Pittsburgh. That's where the draft was right after, uh, you know, they called my name and I got down to the table. So, you know, obviously everything uh, went on to work out pretty good. <laughs> what's so he saying about bomb then yeah. yeah that's right i mean i can't say it was the worst interview i've had you know it worked out <laughs> all right for me it worked out all right well what, what's he say about uh your uh your junior your partners your teammates it's kind of like maybe he says something bad about them and he's kind of waiting to see like if you throw them under the bus or if you like defend if you're a good teammate yeah he kind of said you know like my d partner in that you know, he was an older guy, Derek Diener, and that he was, you know, he wasn't a very good player. He's like, you know, you kind of, you know, did you carry him or did he carry you? It's hard to read what type of defenseman you are. And I, you know, so I was kind of like, what's this guy talking about? I'm like, well, he must have been pretty good. He got drafted in the third round. I mean, you know, somebody likes him. Yeah. And he's like, just because you don't. And then we started kind of like just being combative a little bit. You yeah. Know, and he started asking me about, you know, when you go to a team party, what kind of guy are you? And it was just questions out of left field you know what i mean like they just mm -hmm. 
wanting to get yet. I'm like, is there anybody else at this interview table? Why don't you ask them some questions? <laughs> somebody else yeah, throw me a softy, right? Somebody jump in here. Where's the lefty? Where's the lefty? <laughs> but clearly, though, he wanted you to, to stand up for your teammate. He he liked that. Yeah, obviously, he was looking for a reaction, right? You you know, and looking back on it, I can I can see why, right? You know, not knowing the interview process, you know, maybe I should give a call to my agent and maybe he could have warned me a little bit, right? He didn't prep me very well for that meeting. Or maybe he did. Maybe he yeah. did. He's like, I can't prep you. Just go in there and fight him. So Yeah, I mean, uh, he knew you were going to stand up for your guys, and that's probably what Tim wanted to see. You mentioned a couple other teams uh, interested. Uh, who were they? You know what I well honestly I heard rumors about Boston. I knew Boston sort of liked me. Oh man, it was so long ago. I, you know there was a few teams out there that you know I thought the interview went well. Boston had definitely they were kind of right around that pick too, and I think that that's why you know San Jose had to move up to get the twenty third mm. pick. So I think that they thought the same process that they kind of knew where that was going to lead. So they wanted to scoop me up and then, Hey, like I said, it worked out. Wow. I forgot that Boston had a third first round pick and they draft because famously, of course, he drafted jumbo number one, Sergei Samsonov uh, a little bit later and uh, a third one. So they could have had, you know, just like San Jose did a uh, Marlowe and, and, you know, and I and think Scott it was yeah. Nick Boynton. Oh Maybe? yeah, another defenseman. Yeah, another hard hitting oh, no, defenseman. Actually, so right? I got it. I got it. It's yeah, Ben got it. Clymer. Ben Clymer. Oh, oh Ben Clymer. Okay, but it was okay. Ben Clymer. All right. All right. Okay. What what and pick did he go? He was twenty seven, but it was the first uh, second round pick. Oh, first or the second. Right. Round. Okay. okay. So that's what it was like. Yeah. yeah that's I the think one. that Boston was was eyeing me for that position. So. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> Well, uh, move, uh, you know, talking about your career, obviously you had a, a long, great career uh, with uh, with the Sharks. But uh, one of your claims to fame is that you are the only Shark to ever make uh, his NHL debut in Japan. And I mean, that's just got to be such a trip to start your NHL career. And, you know, there's so many things you hear about the NHL and you're thinking, oh, it's going to be, you know, maybe it'll be in Boston, maybe it'll be in Toronto, maybe it'll be in my hometown, Vancouver. But Instead, it's Japan. And so, anyway, <laughs> can you just sort of uh, describe just that, uh, not so much um, the, the hockey part, but just the just the whole experience of being in Japan and, and all of that? Yeah, it was quite the experience. I mean, guys walking around, I think, you know, Bernie Nichols and Joe Murphy, I think, were walking around in kimonos. for Because you get out there like a week before, so they were getting right into it. You know, dinner down. I think uh, Andre Zuzan bought a katana sword. You know, back in the day when you could actually, I think he carried it back home <laughs> on the upstairs <laughs> luggage, right? Like, so, you know, back, you know, people don't understand that. It's like a katana sword, and we didn't want to put mm -hmm. it down below because it could get damaged. So, we'll yeah. just carry the katana sword right on the plane. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense, right? No, um, obviously, it was, you know, great, great experience to, you know, a different culture and to be able to be in Japan and, Another claim to fame, I think I led the league in scoring for two weeks because yeah. I, had two, I had two points in my first game, but nobody else played for like two weeks. So <laughs> ah, Well, actually, I wanted to put you on a spot here. So I, I looked this up. So four other players had uh, two two points that night in, in, in Japan. It was a 3-3 Sharks-Flames tie. Uh, one of them was your teammates. So can you name any of those players that were tied with... Oof. Uh, Scott Hannon for the league lead in points uh, early in Well, the... <laughs> I think Darren Fleury. Okay. Uh, was it Bakes? I don't know. Well, I, okay, honest, I'm gonna jump away. Let's take take this. Yeah, it's it's tough. You're you're gonna actually a couple of these names. You'll be like, you know, like I I, I hardly remember them, and I have all their hockey cards. But okay, Mike Ricci. He had he had two points, so that's your teammate, of course. And okay. then uh, Dave Roach. 
Jason Weimer, and yeah. and Bore, but not Pavo, Val- Valerie Bore. So. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I would never have gotten that. Never gotten that. Amazing. Well, okay, so here's another toughie for you. When we talk about how tough Tim Burke was, and got to ask you, how tough was Daryl Sutter? You know, even compared, you play for many coaches in the end there, but, you know, you always hear stories about just how – tough uh daryl was and how he kind of changed the culture of the sharks um you know when he joined them you know daryl was tough but he was honest in in my opinion you know you always knew where he stood um you know i i owe i know he was hard on a lot of guys and it was it was a situation where it was sometimes a love hate but um you know i i think that he taught me especially as a young player to not take anything for granted you know, I had to come in there and, you know, I had to prove myself defensive defenseman. It wasn't like I was racking up big points. Um, and you never could take a, a shift off. I think that, that, you know, when I, you know, everybody responds to different things better. Um, you know, I think that I, I, I could handle the tough love and I think mm. I responded well to that type of motivation. Maybe not all the time, but most of the time. And, uh, you know, you all, I, the funny thing was, is you always knew where you stood. Daryl would be the first person I could pick up the phone right now and, and call him, and he'd answer probably on the second ring. And mm-hmm. if you had, a, and if you had an issue, he'd be right there to help you. And that's that's where you knew Daryl stood. And uh, you know, when I got sent back to junior that first year, because I was up for quite a while after Japan, but I got sent back to junior. And when he he bag skated me that morning. Um, him and Paul Baxter and with all this like there was scouts and I think Dean Lombardi was up in the crowd and I got bagged for like 45 minutes <laughs> and uh, afterwards he pulled me into his locker room and it was uh, into his office and he and he cracked a beer and he said all right now go back to junior and have some fun so it was just <laughs> you know he was just a different personality you know obviously you know you could say that he could wear out his welcome in some places but as far as changing a culture and, and turning a thing around, I think he does that, you know, really well when he steps in. Well, the most important question here is that did he offer you a beer? He did offer me a beer. Yeah. Ah, okay. What you guys have? Keystone Light or something we, like that? Yeah, we might have to cut that out because technically <laughs> I was only 18. <laughs> I think the statute of limitations has, has uh, you know, uh, disappeared yeah. on that. I think, yeah, I think Daryl, you I'm and Daryl were saying. I'm not, I'm not going to turn them in. Yeah, I think it'll be all right. Yeah, mine was a 0.5, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the NA beers, the non-alcoholics. Yeah, yeah, yeah stuck, exactly. Stuck you had an old duel, so we'll yeah. say for the record, you had an old duel. So. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, too, uh, just uh, for that time, it was so important, and it parallels the Sharks now. You know, the Sharks obviously are trying to grow, trying to rebuild, and it's so important uh, to have, you know, veteran leadership, uh, you know, to kind of guide the the, the youngsters and the sharks have that now you know guys like anthony duclair have connected with thomas bordalo obviously hurdle and zadina and back then you know back when daryl was um you know starting off and you were starting off and you know dean lombardi was a gm for a couple of years you know dean did something similar he signed guys like bernie nichols like murray craven brought in mike vernon uh bob airy just guys guys like that to help provide leadership into the room and just for yourself no you started a little bit later than 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 a couple of those guys there but anyway uh who sort of guided you uh uh, back then you know i I think if i looked at it you know the biggest names were probably brian marchment um Mm. you know he was my really my first consistent d partner i played with him a lot um 
<laughs> I stayed at his house a lot. I had campfires with him a lot. I, you know, I think I read books to his kids a lot. So there was a lot of different things there. Todd Harvey, Scott Thornton. Um, I thought they brought in a lot of really good guys. And I played with those guys for a while, you know, Mike Ratchie. And even though he was, mm-hmm. I don't look at him as like old in that aspect, you know, he was a, he was a great guy to have around. Um, but I think, you know, me and Mushy playing together quite a bit. And, you know, I go back to Gary Suter, Jeff Norton. I mean, down the list goes on. And I think the biggest asset is they were, they were great guys, great players, but, you know, I think even if I, I, I might be off on the years because I felt like it was so long ago. Oh, three, oh, two, oh, three was when they kind of, that transition happened from the sure. best to the youth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when Mushy and a couple guys got shipped off, the Sharks missed the playoffs that year. And, you know, Mushy, you know, kind of called me up afterwards and he, you know, he said, okay, now, it, now it's your turn to take it. Right. You know, and, and he kind of understood his role in a way. Like, I think. Right. You know, he was there to play, obviously, but he understood, you know, just kind of like in some way I felt like when I passed, I don't want to say passed the torch because I came back, but, you know, there was guys and I knew what type of vet I wanted to be. And I wanted to be that type of vet that those guys showed to me. Um, You know, I knew I wasn't going to play every game when I came back, Um, you know, but I I tried to work as hard as I could in the gym. I tried to work as hard as I could on the ice. I was positive with the younger guys. You know, I wanted to see them succeed. Um, and I wanted to show that not just by what I said, but how hard I worked. And I think, you know, that you look at for so long, and I'm not saying they don't have that now, but for so long there was a culture there with Jumbo, with Patty. I mean, we were in the gym. We were lifting hard. We were going, you know, we were going after it where everybody kind of had to do that, you know. And I think that that was something that I learned early on in my career, and I think that that's kind of carried on. You know, and I think that, you asked me, what do you think they need to, to move forward through this youth movement? It's things like that. Yeah, you actually kind of started to hit on it, though, the the transition to the youth back in, like, 03, 04. Uh, obviously, you guys had, like, a, a very good playoff run that year. Um, and you yourself got a lot of praise for shutting down, as much as you can shut down uh, this player, Peter Forsberg, in the second round against uh, the Avalanche in that playoff series. So what was that like whole playoff run like with the ch- like changing of the guard and, and how far you guys got? Yeah, that, that, was, that was special. I think, you know, when you face a team like Colorado and you see how many stars they had on that team, <laughs> um, you know, and the Detroits and all those teams that we kind of butted heads with for so long and we couldn't seem to get over the – the hump, but I think that that playoff series and that was, that was our whole team. And I think, you know, I, maybe I got a lot of fanfare for, because I was matched up against Forsberg and, you know, um, and there was a lot of good battles. I think I had the hair going back then. And, you know, it was, you know, back in the old, old school days, you could rough and tumble, you could kind of hook, you could hold, you could get away with a little bit more. It was a lot yeah. more physical in front of the nets. And I think that that, you know, kind of showed there. And I think the fans sort of love that. Patty had an unbelievable playoffs. I think we beat St. Louis in the first round and he had a bunch of goals. And I remember how loud that was in, you know, in the barn. And, uh, you know, that just kind of carried through. Unfortunately, we ran up to, you know, Calgary. And I I think, I'm not going to say we deserve better. Kipper had a great playoff run. Jerome McGinley was going pretty good. And, you know, it's sometimes that's just the way the playoffs go. And then obviously you guys had all this momentum built up in the next year during the lockout. So there's like no hockey. Uh, you guys came back strong again and then had, well, uh, eventually got the, the jumbo trade in there. But 
Yeah, it just feels like there was a lot of momentum, and then you guys had to pause after. Yeah, that 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 was disappointing. I remember, you know, going into that and all the uncertainty, and then the, the lockout happens, and you know, you kind of you're ending on a high. I went to the World Cup that year. We ended up winning gold in the World Cup, and then you come back, and you're like, "There's no way we're gonna lock out for, you know, a <laughs> year. year. You know, you're not gonna. You know, that's not gonna happen, right? Nobody's that crazy. And then, you know, and, and probably one of the mistakes I made is not going to play somewhere. You know, mm. I just ex- I expected us to be playing. You know, and after mm-hmm. coming off the World Cup and after coming off all that, I, you know, I, I kind of expected them. Like, there's just no way. And I trained at home and I skated a little bit at home. But, you know, that was probably one thing that I wish I went and did, just not really being aware that we had the, you know, even though they warned us and it could happen, I, did, I just really didn't see it. I was too optimistic, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did it mean to you, though, to be selected uh, to the World Cup, to be recognized? You know, usually guys that don't put up a lot of points, right? It's it's a little bit harder maybe to get recognition, uh, be it from fans or from uh, even just uh, people, uh, uh, observers inside the game. And so what did that mean to you to be uh, to be honored in that way? Yeah, that was pretty special. There's a pretty good story too. Uh, I uh, I was out looking for homes in uh, in Kelowna, and mm-hmm. I didn't. You know, the buddies were all calling me. All right, you think you're gonna go? Because if you if you remember, a, there was a bunch of defensemen that went down. Chris Bronger was injured, and uh, you know, so a few defensemen went down, and there was all yeah. these rumors about who the defensemen would be that would end up playing. And I was out looking at a home and, and the boys were all calling me up. They're like, I'm here and it could be you. I'm here and it could be this. And, you know, and then all of a sudden I get a call and then it was like, hello, Scott. And I'm like, yeah, well, um, I've got Wayne Gretzky on the phone. <laughs> and I'm like, and I had a buddy named Bubba. And I'm like, Bubba, quit calling me. Okay? It's, not, it's not Gretzky. So like, you know, I, I end up hanging up the phone on him. And like, you know. And it turns out the same number calls back. And it was kind of like weird before. It was like, you know, you had the old Nokia's. I don't even know what the Blackberry or whatever. And it was like, all right. And then he's like, no, this is Wayne Gretzky. And I'm like, okay, maybe. (laughs) And he's like, so, you know, obviously it was a huge honor to get a call from, you know, Wayne and on a team. And then, you know, in all honesty, going from a spare part, really, um, because I didn't play in the first few games. I got in a few exhibition, but then more injuries happened. Jovanovski went down. Who else went down? I'm going to I'm gonna miss out on that. But anyways, another defense went out. I ended up mm-hmm. getting in. I ended up playing and then ended up being on the last shift when we won gold. So, I, awesome. I, you know, it was obviously a, you know, pretty huge experience to win in Toronto and in front of, you know, family, friends. And it was, a, you know, a great experience. Well, uh, congratulations there. You finally, uh, somebody finally shut down Wayne Gretzky. but speaking of sort of just uh, how you were you know recognized at that time um uh one thing that uh, actually alex ovechkin said this about you this was of course ovechkin comes in a little bit later to the league a couple years later but he once called you uh the league's toughest defenseman to play against and so uh you know what did he mean by that and what does that mean for a guy of his uh, obviously his caliber to say that about you well, there you go. I get the I get the guy that's probably going to pass Gretzky, and I shut down Gretzky. So, you, know, <laughs> um, you know, I got I got the luck to play with him later on in my career. Mm-hmm. He's such a, a great ambassador. He's such a, a a huge player in a game. 
I think I just matched him physically too. He, he, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. he tried sure. to overpower. I mean, I'm, I, I'll admit I'm not the most skilled guy as far as the way the game was played, but I could read the game really well. I think that I'm a student of the game. I could, I learned tendencies. I knew where guys wanted to be and I tried to fight guys from getting that position. Uh, I knew where guys really like to be on the ice. I like where they like to shoot. Um, and I tried to read off that and play off that and play in your face and not give time and space. And I felt like at that time of my career, I was really good at that. Mm. And, uh, you know, and some guys, and when you're playing an 82 game schedule, it's, it's hard to battle. And I go back to the comments from Daryl. Um, I learned not to really take any nights off and Mm. I really focused on that. And I took pride in shutting guys down and, uh, you know, I knew there was always going to be big games, and I knew if I could accomplish that part of the game for my team, we had a we had a chance at winning. So, you know, no matter how skilled we were. And to reverse the question, uh, who was the toughest player for you to defend over your career? Wow, uh, got to give it to Alex. Now he told you this. Yeah, I know. Right? It's, hard, it's hard not to say. Hey, you know, Ovechkin. Um, you know what? I I will say Sid was towards the mm. time. I wasn't matched up, and you know when Sid came in, there was times when he played out east. You know, I got to play against Yager a few times in that big mm. body. Um, those are the guys that are the hardest. I felt the guys that like to control the game. Mm. Um, Jumbo was like that when I sure. when I played mm. against him. It was different for guys that look to get the pass or look to hit open spots. Those guys I found were sometimes easier because they didn't have the puck all the time. Whereas there was sure. guys that wanted the puck and had big bodies and, and, and like to control it. Mario Lemieux, like, you know, I got to play against him a few times and it was like, you, you try and hit that guy. He was six, six, like he had all the hands <laughs> in the world. He was huge. Like, you know, um, obviously, you know, Iggy was a battler. Um, Sid Ovechkin, they mm. were they were they were tough. I'm not gonna sure I'm gonna lace it down to one guy. Okay, office, but you know I got to match up against a few pretty big guys, and sometimes they got the best of me, and sometimes I get the best of them. So, <laughs> and um, with the lockout too, the things kind of changed in terms of the rules and the opening up of play and everything. How do you think that affected uh, your career? And and um, like you were saying earlier, like less obstruction, that kind of thing. Well, obviously, coming into the league, if you looked at where defensemen were prior to those rules, you know, you looked mm. at the Mike Ratchies, the Darian Hatchers, and, you know, the huge guys that could just take up a lot of space. And I'm not going to say that they weren't skilled, but it, it was it was a dynamic change from how you trained. You know, I remember pre-draft of 2004, you couldn't draft a guy below six feet, 220 pounds. I was seen as like a hybrid, and mm. I was 6'2", 220. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it was seen I could skate. So there was like a hybrid. I could move the puck and do this. And now you got guys that, you know, 185, 175. And I think that the earlier teams saw that and saw some people were kind of like, you know, they were some teams had, you know, their blinders on and didn't see it coming or they kept refuting it and trying to go big. Um, and obviously, like you got guys like Victor Hedman. There's always going to be that those you know, rare individuals both ways um, that can do a combination of both like a Chris Pronger back in the day. But I think what it made you do is you realize maybe did I struggle right out of the gates because I was a little blind to it. I'm not sure. Um, It changed the way you trained. That's for sure. Um, I had to shed pounds. I think at my heaviest when I played before, because you had to be was 225. You had to be to battle those guys that I talked about before. Right. 
And I think my last year in the league at 36, I was 213. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I cut down, I cut a lot of weight and tried to, you know, get as fast as I could. There was a lot more power lifting compared to like, you know, size. So, you know, those are the things you learn. And I think that ultimately, even though I was 36 year old, I was a smarter and a maybe even a better hockey player than I was early because the game was chip it off the glass, get it out when you were in trouble and win one nothing. And we know we, we know that that's not the game anymore, right? With the penalties the way they are, the talent that's in there, you can't play defense, you got to play offense. And, you know, it's an interesting way. I, I was, like I said, I, I think I was a better player at the end of my career than I was at the beginning. Yeah, that was actually an interesting thing because I think it was Jake Middleton who said something earlier, I mean, a couple of years ago, it was like, the NHL pay you a million dollars to be able to chip it off the glass and play solid defense. So I think there might still be that role for that kind of defender, but it's just, you got to find your place in the NHL. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about it yet, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm not saying that there's no yeah. way of playing defense, but you know, you even look at like Middleton. Yeah. I mean, he's not just yeah. a simply, he's not just a guy that chips it off the yeah. glass. He like, wants to you, pretend like he is. Right. He likes to <laughs> pretend that he is. Right. And yeah. we all laugh and we're, you know, we're, we're good at being like a little bit condescending to keep the focus mm-hmm. off. You know, it's like, you know, but if you look at the way the game was played back in, Three oh four, like you literally chipped it off the glass and you hooked and hold and you had your stick. You know, if guys went yep. wide, you could hook around and put your stick in between their legs and ride them yep. for about twenty feet. You could interfere every dump in. You could skate over and get in front of a guy. And you know, it was prior to oh four. If your defensive partner got hit on a dump in, that was your fault. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas now, <laughs> get out of the way, free for all. Yep. You know. <laughs> You know, and now you got to make those little bump plays, those little chips, and all of that. It's a, it's a completely different game the way it's played. How um, this is the year after that. How good was um Vlasic when he came in? It's like a nineteen year old. Was it similar kind of thing that you mentioned, like just really good at reading the game kind of thing? Or yeah, I think he came in pretty pretty polished, and you know what I mean. He was he 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 was calm. Nothing really rattled him. Um, and. You know, I think that he had a he had a quiet confidence. If you if you looked at the way he played, I, I was his D partner, and the kid came in, and he and he, you know, he could play right off the bat, and uh, you know, he could skate. He was sort of like what you'd call even a hybrid of a hybrid, because it was like when you were coming off those big guys, you had those teams that just didn't want to say no, right? They just kept, you know, having them or trading for the big D, and he kind of took it on, and you know, he was he was great at shutting down other teams, and you know, had a little bit of offense, could make the first pass, and you know, he he's had a great career as well. Yeah, for sure, like, uh, he's been so kind of, uh, I think, like, criminally underrated, and also that rookie season, I mean, 19-year-olds just, even today, don't come into the NHL as defensemen and come in and play 20 minutes a night. It just, it takes a special, uh, a special guy to do that, so I wanted to, uh, uh, we wanted to, uh, to mention uh, Mark Edward, but uh, here's another guy, and I'm not sure uh, uh, if you were too special to him. Uh, I asked uh, Jason Demers if he had any good uh, Scott Hannon stories. And he said, uh, I, yeah, this calls the question uh, your, uh, uh, how good you were in a room, Scott. Uh, he said, the year we played together, he told me if he ever got healthy scratched, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, JD. And he, he probably claimed that he carried me to a thousand games as well. <laughs> You know, I, I, me and JD got along great. He was, uh, you know, he, he was a young guy and 
you know, he had that that flair to him where, you know, we, I was always the guy that liked to ride guys in, in the room. And, you know, you kind of like to come in and have fun. And the, and the chirping and the back and forth is the, is the best part about the room that you that you miss. And J.D. was was fun at giving it and fun at taking it, too. So, you know, Daddy was, a, you know, he's he's such a great guy. We, we still text each other. And, you know, I went down and met my son and we went down and uh, watched him play last year when he was still, you know, kicking tires. And, hey, oh, sure. and mm-hmm. he got called up and, and, you know, got a 700th game in the in the NHL. I thought that that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he's he's a great guy. He's one of those teammates that I had a lot of fun with. And we got to play a lot together, which was kind of cool. He was the right defenseman. And he, he claimed that I could just get him the puck and then he'd break the puck out and then i said as long as i take care of you defensively kids so and he's running (laughs) running and gunning up there so no it was it it was great he's a great guy oh i'd like to have uh tim burke a question uh jd about your pairing and here uh uh, jd talk about yeah no i carry that dude i totally carry that dude (laughs) (laughs) sorry you really broke up there i got i was all screaming this is the complications of online oh yeah my uh am i am i good now yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, my internet here isn't the best, but uh, we can we can move on from from that though. Uh, I had to get to something kind of uh, uh, unpleasant, and uh, this is 2014. And actually, I talked mm-hmm. with Jason Demers about this and talking about the reverse sweep and what happened there. And talking with Jason, he talked about how you know maybe there was a little bit of you know letting off the gas after you guys were up three zero. Uh, he also mentioned that 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 at that point the. Kings players uh, were kind of texting some of the Sharks, you know, saying stuff like, you know, just like, you know, let us out of, uh, you know, uh, let us out of our misery, you know, just finish us off. Um, uh, 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 Jason also said that Daryl Sutter, who uh, used to coach uh, Brad Stewart, uh, called Brad Stewart and 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 said something like, what are you doing to me, Stewie? Why are you doing this to us? <laughs> stuff like that. And so anyway, just can you just uh, uh, go back to that series and just sort of, you know, what happened? Um, you know, I, with those LA series, I mean, if you look at, I, I believe it was even the year before when they beat us in seven in the second mm-hmm. round. Sure. I thought we dominated that series. I thought that we played really good. Jonathan Quick was out of his mind. Mm. We controlled the shots. We controlled the pace. I go back and play that out in my head. And I think that we could have easily taken that series. And then you go into the next one. And I think. That's the weird thing about playoffs. Um, you know, you look, did we deserve to be 3-0? and I don't know. The first game, yes. Second game, and it's slowly you see how the, you know, the odd man rushes, the give and take. And, sure. You know, it wasn't as one-sided as it looked. Was L.A. a bad team? No. Um, can you can you win a coin flip sometimes? And I think that, that especially that when we were 2-0, that 3-0 was a coin flip i think we got a little lucky in that game and yeah. you know la just started turning the corner and you know they're a good team you know should any team have swept that series no did it deserve to be a seven game series sure and you'd like to sit there and say you know you, you got to close those out i think in some ways um in the playoffs we've gotten our butts handed to us sometimes i think that we've had some close calls i think there's been somewhere we deserve better uh it's you know, the Stanley Cup is not an easy one to win. That's why people sure. rarely, you know, get to do it twice, why they rarely get to hear and you know, and you, you think that the one game or the team that's going in to be the favorite, you look at what happened to Boston last year, right? Boston has the yeah. best season. 
and then they go out in the first round. Now, were they the worst team, or did did you know Florida get lucky in you know scoring with late in the third period and then winning it in overtime? Like, you know, that's where the heroes are always written about um, in those playoff games, and those games happen in the regular season sometimes, you know, and it's not the be all end all and that's sports. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting there co- making a cop out here. Like we, that was one that hurt. That one would have been a nice one to win. And then, you know, to see how far, you know, and to see what LA did with that. And uh, you know, that one still haunts me to this day for sure. <laughs> maybe a little bit lighter of a topic, or maybe this is also going to make you feel like the one that got away, but I don't think it's that light. sharks. Yeah. What's the best sharks team that you were ever on? You think, and the one that you think should have won it all. If you can remember. They probably might go together a couple. Of you times. know what? The year before that, uh, that that San Jose team where we lost to LA in the second round, I thought we were phenomenal. I thought we were a great team, and I thought we had all the the, the mixings of, you know, going a long way. Do I? I thought the the series we lost to Edmonton in the second round, I thought was a great team. You know, um, you know Edmonton coming back. I, I you know my memory is going to be a little bit shot, but how I remember it, at least how it haunts me to this day, we were up. 2-0 and it was mm. the third yep. period and they scored with 10 minutes left. You know what I mean? And they tied it up and then we yep. went four OTs and the four OTs and you're gassed at the end of it. I think I had 52 minutes that night or something like that. You know, they <laughs> just score and then they score on something where it's a, it's a risk. You know, who was it? It was Rollison saved Jonathan Chichu on a two on one where I still don't know how he got there. And Cheech put it in a good spot. Did he double clutch? Sure. But I think he wanted to make sure and you're an OT and you're like, yeah. there's no way, right? Mm-hmm. And then they they score on one where it's a shot from the, the blue line. It double tips to a rebound, right? Like, yeah, you love to say that, you know, you know, people sit there and argue if Cheech was a clutch player, he would have scored that. Cheech is a pretty clutch player. You know, he scored 57 <laughs> goals in a year, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's just sports. And yeah. were we on the wrong side of the coin a lot? Yeah, I, I'll admit that. And, you know, it, mm-hmm. the president's trophied out the first round to this and that. Like, ah, there were so many times. I thought Calgary that first year. You know, you go back and you say, if Calgary, we win that. Kipper was there, the trade, this and that. I thought we matched up good against Tampa. And, you know, we had a situation where we were up, you know, we were down two, nothing. Then we went two in their barn. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're kind of like, where are we going with this? And then, you know, they win. But if we win that series, do we get Joe Thornton? You know, yeah. does it carry us through? Right. Right? You, you may not have that situation happen. So, I don't know. There's a million different ways. It's always fun to look back. I still wish, you know, I got the chance to hoist it one time. I thought I had great teams. And, you know, I thought we had a really good run, speaking of Ovechkin in Washington. Sure. You know, when I got, yeah. when I got yeah. traded there, we went from – not being really relevant, not relevant, I should say, but at Christmas time, we were at a 10 game losing streak when I got traded there. And it was like, wow, you were in the tank. And then we went on to finish first in the mm-hmm. East. And then we you were. Guys had a good series against uh, Tampa. I remember that year. Yeah. It was in the first but, round, I think. Yeah. No, the first round we played New York. But then. Oh, that's right. uh, oh why am I going to forget the name? And he was my D partner. Um, he had a horrific. Dennis Weidman had a horrific mm. leg injury. So if you if I could show it on the podcast, I would. It was uh he had compartment oh, no. syndrome off of a oh, nothing shoot. hit in mm. his leg. Oh my god. And you know, he was a big loss for us, a power play guy. You know, John Carlson was young, but like he got injured and 
he had compartment syndrome. They had to split his leg really wide open and he missed the whole playoffs. And, you know, that hurt at that time. We went from being a dominant possession team and we ended up running into Tampa and Tampa was good. They scored some clutch goals. And, mm. you know, I think that that Washington team was still a little young. They didn't, hadn't learned how to sort of win. And when things got tough, it was like, ah, we, you know, you focus back on the, the one-on-one. And then, you know, you go figure. They they end up winning it later on. And, yeah. you know, Ovi's Ovi. He's a great dude. Um, he's obviously a great goal scorer. I'm glad to, to see those guys get to, you know, obviously get a, get a cup there too. Hmm. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the uh, 2012-13 team. I, I don't know if that's one that's uh, usually mentioned as much in terms of uh, the, you know, the the Sharks teams that were close. Um, obviously, there's the Presidents Trophy team and the Jumbo's first year. Uh, you know, Chichu scoring all those goals. Uh, but the 2012-13 team, uh, do you just kind of chalk that up to just one guy uh, stopping you guys in the second round? Because you mentioned that you thought that you guys, you know, had the run of play during that series yeah you know what i mean and, and you know the original question was the team i played on so yeah i didn't play mm-hmm. with the president's trophy sure, team, sure. but um i think that was the feeling in the room i just felt like we had it we had it going we felt like and i know a lot of guys will say that when you're in the playoffs and mm-hmm. you know your things are going well but i thought we were playing really well and you know you looked and you know obviously la was a pretty good team and I thought we controlled the pace of the game in a, in a lot of those periods. And, you know, it was it was a battle. We had some great battle against that L.A. team. Um, no doubt about it. And, you know, did we end up on the other side of it a couple of times? Yeah, but I thought we were really close. And that's probably what gives me the best reasoning behind we could have won those because that's how close it was. And, you know, they won a cup in there. You sure. know? So yeah. we beat them. Is that ours? I don't know. You know? Yeah. It's a lot well, like uh, that in Sharks history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, Scott, I uh, just want to check that your time is okay. We have a few more questions about TV and about uh, the Sharks themselves this year. Is your time all right? Yeah, I got a little bit more time. Okay, cool. Uh, so first, I wanted to congratulate you on sort of your increased role on the broadcast. Like, can you just uh, let us know uh, what you're doing now? You know, you're going to be uh, on the, the pregame, postgame a lot now. Yeah, I was, you know, I know with, Curtis Brown leaving I had done a a little bit and I'd started working back in during COVID I'd done a lot of the you know the in-game color with you know Dan Rusinowski on the radio but with me I you know obviously I love it it's it's a lot of fun it's you get to talk a little bit of hockey and you know for me it's was it managing working into my schedule I coach my two sons down at the junior sharks program triple a and and single a so i only get so much time so it was nice that a lot of games fell on thursday night and i was able to come on and it's you know and it's fun it's a ton of fun to be on the air yeah so it's something that you see yourself kind of going forward with as you uh move forward in your your post-game career uh you know what i i'm I'm the type of guy you talk to people it's, it's take it as it comes um you know i like right now my kids are of an age where I get to be around them a lot. I get to coach them on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. And I don't like to go on the road, really. So, like, that was a big part of maybe stepping away from the color because I think the color is a ton of fun as well, like being able to get there and, you know, more in the game. You get to watch it, whereas, you know, it's a different animal pre and post. Yep. You know, Brody, Brody's awesome. He's great to work with, and it's a, it's a different experience, and I'm glad I, I'm getting that experience. And it's, it's fun. You get to still keep your foot in the door with hockey and, you know, Mark Smith's on the broadcast and they got some other guys. So it, it's great. And it's a lot of fun just getting around there and 
and talking hockey and, and like I said, keeping your foot in the door and, you know, maybe I can steal a few things to throw at my 13 triple A team. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the challenge of kind of like staying positive about the sharks or, or staying positive, but honest about where the sharks are and their, in their rebuild, uh, like on the air or off the air as a fan? You know what? I, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it's difficult. Um, because I've been there and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, it's, you gotta be honest with it. And I think the hardest thing about maybe the last few years is most of the Bay area is pretty smart hockey people. And it was Mm -hmm. that, you know, rebuild on the fly. And I think the writing was on the wall, but you know, things weren't, you look at all the teams that are winning right now. You look at the, you know, the teams, how they, how they get there. They can't get there through, trading and they can't they can't it's it's all built through the draft and you got to have the depth and you know and if you look at that i thought that that was hard to be but you know what and i go back to this year and you know i bring my kids down to the game just even the other night and you're like wow you're going in there against colorado and you you look there's no hiding the fact that you know let's be honest we don't have a, a mckinnon a mccarr a rantanen yep. you know like a jonathan taves those type of star power, right? But my kids at the end of that game, dad, that was so much fun. You know, you <laughs> see it. And and that's kind of where I'm at with it. As long as, as a fan, and as my kids are fans, is it entertaining? And man, that game was entertaining. I thought they battled. I thought mm-hmm. Blackwood had a, an amazing game. Um, you know, because it's going to be hard. I've been on the both sides of both those things. It's not fun to be in that room. It's not fun... To, to know like it's going to be a hard year but you, you come out and i hope that those guys prove the media and everything wrong I, I i really do because i know being in that room you know it's it's sometimes you can do some amazing things with teams that don't really have some things going on like i you know i think we had that in colorado one year where things just started clicking some young guys started clicking and the vets seemed to come in together and we did better than people thought um but it is hard sometimes to talk about that stuff on the, on, on the air, because, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately you see that it could be beneficial to be near the bottom for a few years. Edmonton's sure. done it. Colorado's done it. And, you know, are those fans complaining right now that they got a Connor <laughs> McDavid or, or Kale yeah. McCarr and a McKinnon? And I was there in Colorado when, you know, they oh, had yeah. Matthew Shane, Ryan O'Reilly, mm. um, Paul, uh, you know, Stasny. Um, and, they got rid Cam Stewart. You know, they had a lot of guys that they drafted that were good players. Everybody's like, these kids are going to be good. And they traded them. They traded them. They did, They weren't happy with what they got. And then they got the McKinnon. And then they got, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Did they get lucky? Ah, you know, with McCarr. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, Heiskanen is a pretty good player too. So it's, it's not like, you know, <laughs> I don't know yeah. if it's mix or match, but. You know, I think that that's the way you got to do it because then you get to own the contract for a little while. You can build accordingly where it's really hard to to fix that through the trade program. Sure, sure, it, sure. If you if you kind of give it to Sharks fans as that, like, you know, this is where we got to be for a few years, I think they would accept it. It's just kind of sometimes it felt like it wasn't fully sold as that. It was kind of like this middle ground where we didn't know where we were going kind of thing. I think you're 100% right. I think the guy, people were smarter than that. They saw the product on the ice and they weren't entertained. And now you can try and get excited. Like, is everybody yeah. going to work out that they draft now? If you look at the percentages of draft picks that play 500 games, 400 games, 300 games, it's, it's slim, right? But you still got to do it through those. 
right? So sometimes it's a long process, or sometimes you can get lucky like Dallas did. Like Dallas drafts, drafts Heiskanen, Robertson, and Ottinger in the same draft, you know? And if everybody would have known Robertson was going to get 100 points, I guarantee he wouldn't have gone in the second round. Ottinger, you know what I mean? So, like, you can have those drafts. I go back to San Jose getting – you know, paths getting those guys cool. Well, getting you and uh, um, Patty in the same draft. 100%. You know, 100%. Like, you know, the guys that can play those, like, you know, I mean, I I don't remember the exact one, but to get two players to play a thousand games in a, you know, uh, as a draft pick is pretty big. So you look at what you can, you can do with that. And, you know, I think they're doing a great job with that now. Mike Greer, you know, he's he's not hiding from it. And I think they're doing a great job hiring the people that they have in the front office. And, uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. Well, uh, the Sharks uh, broadcast uh, uh, sort of, uh, well, not the booth, but the broadcast in general uh, uh, might have a really exciting new addition. And that's uh, uh, your old buddy, uh, Jason Demers. And so just uh, how how excited are you to to uh, to uh uh, have some uh, witty repartee with uh, with Jason coming up. Yeah, soon. It's, it's, it's gonna be great. I was I was just talking, you know, you know, with them the other night. We was as I found out, I was like, they got to get us both on there. You know, Brody won't get in one word. <laughs> It'd be a great show. We could tell some. We could tell some pretty good stories. He's like I said, it's gonna be phenomenal to have him on there. He's a great guy. You know, he's got lots to say. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, he sure does. And also, actually, another one of your former teammates <laughs> that you brought up. I actually wanted to uh, touch on it, even though it's not TV related. Uh, but uh, uh, Mark Smith, uh, you coach with him too. And so, just how awesome is that to uh, you know to to get to do that with one of your uh, former teammates? Yeah, former teammates and a guy that like he, my first roommate. Um, mm-hmm. We were roommates together, and you know now like it this comes full circle. I mean, me and him have maintained a close relationship since you know he moved on, I moved on from what teams we played together on, and um, you know to get our coach our kids both in both twenty ten birth years, and uh, so we're getting to coach together at thirteen AAA down the Sharks, and you know the kids are having a pretty good start to the season, which is which is nice to see and. You know, it's just fun. It, it, I never thought I would enjoy coaching youth hockey as much as I have. Uh, you know, it's 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 pretty cool to get down there, and obviously to get to coach with my uh, Smitty is pretty nice as well. <laughs> you guys also had a similar hairstyle for a while, and the reason why I bring that up is just a <clears> kind <throat> of a funny aside. Uh, uh, one day at SAP Center, I think it was last year or two years ago. I got to apologize to Mark for this. Uh, someone walks in and has kind of a faux hawk, but my glasses are off, and I'm kind of doing my my hair in in the mirror, and I'm like, "Oh, hey, Scott, what's up?" Because I saw the faux, I saw the faux hawk, and I was oh, I like, oh, we, might, "We might fool some fans this year being on the pre and post." So he, <laughs> You know, he might have a little surprise for uh, some fans here when they when they see his haircut. So it'll be pretty good. <laughs> so it. this is my on-the-air apology to Mark Smith for mixing you up with Scott Hannon. But, you know, I think it was understandable. Like, what are you I'm, kidding? That's, you a, that's a compliment for Smith. He took it well. <laughs> <laughs> no apologies. <laughs> um, so, Scott, we just wanted to wrap. Thank you so much for your time. We just wanted to wrap off with just a little bit of a discussion of just the Sharks uh, this season, especially their defense, obviously obviously, because uh, uh, you uh, played defense for uh, such a long time in the league. Um, and one of the uh, guys I wanted to ask you about, just kind of your thoughts about him, because he's sort of, I think, a polarizing figure among the Sharks fan base. And 
want to talk to you about a uh, Mario Ferraro. And on one hand, you know, there's the guy that, you know, he's a, a team first guy. Everybody loves that, you know, such a, you know, infectious, loud, you know, great locker room guy. You see him on the ice and he plays with so much energy. He's frenetic. Uh, um, you know, he's uh, up for any challenge. But then, though, there's the other part of the fan base that, you know, they look at it, the, the, the dashes that he's accumulated over the years. Um, also, maybe the offense hasn't kind of... Uh, uh, um, developed, uh, developed for him as, you know, maybe some people would like, and, you know, I'm not, I don't know what you think of like sort of the, um, the, the, the analytics of, you know, of, of judging defensemen that's out there. And I think those stats are, are, are very tough to use on defensive defensemen. I, I don't, I personally don't think they've ever done a good job of uh, evaluating that, but just in general though, it is sort of like, uh, sort of a split camp, I think, with Mario in terms of just like for some people, he's, you know, going to be the new Mr. Shark. Everybody loves him. But other side of it, you know, uh, things that maybe, you know, he, you know, came in as a 21, 22 year old playing so many minutes. And, you know, maybe that's, a, you know, uh, was a little tough for him, maybe unfair to him, too, in some ways. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit. I think analytics, they've never really been good for defenseman on mm-hmm. bad teams yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like also, if yeah. you're if you're not pushing play and you're not and there's a million different ways play gets pushed is it one player is it what the small things he does is it a you know five man is you know obviously it's easy when you look at guys like mcdavid and mckinnon and you know they can drive play themselves but those are really special players i mean i think i can tell you this there's many bricks that create a house mm-hmm. um and having energy guys and having guys that are great in the locker room are crucial bricks when you're laying a house. Um, you want good character. You want good guys in your locker room. Um, that's where it all starts. And I can tell you when, when the feeling's good in the locker room and everything else gets expelled on the outside, you can do some special things. And, and, you know, as far as the analytics or where a player is going to play, is he going to be an offensive threat? Does it develop? Those aren't always things that you know when you draft a player, you know, when their first year is coming into the league and everybody, you got to find your your niche and you got to find, you know, obviously I hoped I was going to be manning the first line power play when I stepped into the league. You know, I, you know, you have, I had a point a game. I was 20 goals in the WHL, sure. you know, you know, people's assets are, are different. And I think that Mario, it's it's young. He's still early on in his career, and you got you know a bunch of young guys there. And I think he's a great guy to have it in, in the locker room, and we'll see where it plays out. But they're going to need to strengthen every part of their lineup. Mm-hmm. You know where guys ultimately end up slotting in according to that lineup. You know that's that'll be left to be down the road. And I wonder your perspective on this uh, with Mario. That it this is just my opinion, but my my opinion is that. Um, um, you know, so much is was thrust upon him in terms of just responsibility, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, <clears throat> a lot of the parts around him, right? The, his, you know, the team just wasn't as good, you know, as it had been in past years. And so, so much was thrust ab- uh, upon him at a young age. And <clears throat> a guy like him, and, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I interact with him in the room. I see him on the ice a lot. And just like, you know, he's a guy that wants to, wants to, do everything you know again we see that with his energy on ice his, fr- his frenetic energy but that that can that can kind of uh, uh bite you though uh when the when you know you're kind of trying to do other people's jobs kind of 
And so I don't know if you see that with with Mario a little bit that just uh, that kind of enthusiasm and and just that his frenetic nature like on the ice like that that like you mentioned you know on a on a, on a bad team that really is is tough you know if Mario had started off like uh, like like you started off in you know in 1999 with a better Sharks team more veteran team more successful team that 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 really could have insulated him maybe and helped him you know maybe develop better. Yeah, potentially. I mean, it's one of those things like, you know, you said it there when you're trying to do other people's jobs like that. I was never a person that was worried about stats. If there's mm -hmm. a breakdown sure. in the corner, you know, I had my guy type of mentality isn't very good. Um, you know, when you play on better teams, you know, sometimes you, you got to find the way you fit into the league the best. And when the Sharks don't have parts that are fitting in the right order. You know, maybe people are playing above where they should be, maybe, mm -hmm. right? And when those things get slotted in the right order, like I said, you know, every brick is going to be important. And I think energy guys, guys that can play the game and, you know, is he going to be a, a guy that manning the power play? Yeah, I, I don't see that as far, you know what I mean? It, yeah. That's not what I see of him. Can he prove me wrong? Sure. You know, put him on a, you know, with more pieces around him, maybe things get better. You know, so those are the type of things that, you know, as the team moves on, gets more draft picks, they start figuring this out. We're so early in this thing, and mm -hmm. it's hard sometimes to to put it all together right now. And you start, you know, saying, "Oh, it's this person or this person." And I know how that goes. I've been a part of that on both sides of it. You know, he's he's the reason we're going to get better, and maybe we should ship him off. So, like, it's it's interesting how the the world of sports works that way. Yeah, I think you already touched on it. Our last question was mostly about the. Uh, like analytics of defensive defensemen. Is there anything you look for specifically about a defensive defenseman that you know, okay, this guy could probably stick in the league for a while? You know, it's, I don't look at analytics. I don't look at mm -hmm. that. I watch the way they play and what they're looking at. They're play away from the puck. Are they, mm -hmm. where, what's their head doing? What are they, how are they reading? Um, you know, if I looked at one guy that I thought, you know, It'll be interesting to see him grow this year is, is Henry Thrun. I thought when he came in last year, you looked at the way he played away from the puck. I thought he read, he, he had some good reads mm. on rushes, which is the hardest thing for a defenseman to make. To make those multiple reads where where is the threat, right? And, you know, if, you know, I thought that that was something I did really good in my game, realizing, you know, where the threat was coming. Um and I thought he did that well. You know, it'll be interesting. They've got, a, a, you know, some journeyman defensemen, some guys that are getting older on the team, um, and some guys that have had some injury problems. If you look at Simic and Knizov, like, where are we going to end up in 30 games? Where are we going to see? And mm -hmm. that's, what I'm, I, that's what I'm looking for for these first set of games. Where are those guys going to be? Which, which defenseman am I getting here? You know what I mean? Because with Run, it was such a small sample size that, you know, I think that's what I really want to look at moving forward. Is he going to learn? How quickly are you going to learn from mistakes? These young guys are going to make mistakes. You know what I mean? Eklund and Mortolo and all these guys, you know, I, they're going to make mistakes. It's how quickly can they learn off of it? And, you know, they're going to go through their pains and we'll see where they are in 30 games, 40 games, 50 games, you know? Yeah. 
Well, Scott, a last question for me. Uh, just uh, wondering, uh, because it's interesting to uh, uh, thing you bring up. Uh, when you talk about uh, how defensemen, you know, read, um, you know, away from the away from the puck, uh, you know, what are, what are you looking for specifically uh, with that? Just uh, for fans watching or people at the game, you know, what can they kind of look for uh, when we're talking about you know to to judge guys like Mario Morferly or anybody else, you know, Nikolai or Henry Thrun, uh, you know. Where you know to judge them more fairly when you know there's so much on going around them, you know, like the team is you know not quite in place yet. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's a hard. Like, it's hard when I when I look at the game, when I look at defensemen, I watch what their heads doing. What are mm. where are their reads? Like when I say that, it's it's sometimes pretty easy to play on the puck defense. You know what I mean? But if you're constantly reading a rush and you're picking up late guys, I remember when I was coming down if. If I was looking at rushes, it's how how well do they control gap? Where are they controlling gap? Are you controlling it off of the turnover? How quickly are you reading a turnover in the offensive zone that you're mm-hmm. now looking to create gap on the forward that potentially could get the puck? Sure. Because that stuff's really important, especially when you're playing against top players. Is You know, that initial push into the zone after a turnover to try and slow down guys like McKinnon and McDavid because you have to – they have to look up and not see a ton of space in front of them or they're going to pick up speed and create. How quickly do you do that at the red line, the blue line? Can you read depth, the layers, you know, mm. where's that third guy? Are you talking to your other forwards? How quick in, of reads are you looking for quick bumps to, you know, in the offensive zone off dump-ins? How quickly are you making that first read? And, you know, I think that those are extremely important. It's the stuff that, you know, even ultimately I think, you look at the best defenseman in the game, you look at McCarr and you look at those guys, they're great on the rush, but they're also really good in their own zone off those quick bumps. They don't, they don't skate the puck out as much as you think they do. They're, they're Mm -hmm. really good at little bumps, little plays, little inside plays. And, you know, I always remember when I played, it was like funny people would ask, well, what'd you see there? I, I could remember plays from two games ago down to where the stick was to where it was, who was coming down on a two-on-one, if he was a righty, lefty, where he wanted his shot, who I wanted to have the puck in his stick. You know, if it was a two-on-one, you know, obviously, you know, those are all the things that I, you know, you, you can't be in a, inside of a guy's head, but watching the game, you try and, you know, I try and look for how his head's on a swivel and things mm-hmm. like that. Ryan Miller mentioned something similar when he had, we had him on the podcast was just from a goaltending perspective, like knowing your shooters and knowing, uh, what they like or where they like to be on the ice kind of thing. So it's interesting to hear that from like a defenseman that you're doing the same thing. Yeah. Like you, if you didn't know who was coming down you on a two on one and you knew who you wanted to have, take the shot, if he was going to get a shot or how quickly you play a two on one, some defensemen are so quick at accepting two on ones versus can I get to that guy before that other guy joins the rush? Can I slow him down enough to be able to get my back checker into the play? Can I sweep through? Can you do a million different things? And it's amazing talking to young defensemen, not a lot of that gets taught, um, you know, even to the point where some of the guys that got drafted, you know, you're coming out of the USJHL and wherever they come from. It's like some of them have never heard stick on puck or this and that. It's kind of a, a very interesting, you know, dynamic with young defensemen. So it's it's interesting. I try and look up for all that stuff. Hmm. They're just taught like to skate s- it out. Yeah. <laughs> or just, you know, that guy. Sometimes, just skills, you know, skills. Sometimes right? that's it. Sometimes when, yeah. you're, when, you, when you're young and you're growing, you're so physically dominant that, yeah. you know, it's like he's great because he can just outskate everybody. But then sooner or later, if you get lucky enough, you're going to run into a, you know, there's not, like I said, there's 
there's only one Connor McDavid in those top 1%, but they can keep doing it at the NHL level, right? Like yeah, sure. now you got to learn how to play the game. Hmm. Really? Like some of that learning happens at the NHL. You've got to really adjust the way like, wow, that worked before. This is not working now. And how quickly can you think and read the game? How quickly can you get your hands and you're constantly growing? You know, I went through countless guys growing up in minor hockey that you're like, ah, oh, he's going pro. He's going that. But, you know, it's how quickly it's what's between the ears. And if, there was some secret sauce you could can to develop that. That would be amazing. You guys let me know. <laughs> I'll let Mike Greer know. I'll sell, I'll sell the formula right. first. That's right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Multi-millionaire after that one. <laughs> Scott, thank you so much for joining. This is awesome. This is a really like illuminating interview from just your playing time and and um, some of the ways that you see the game. So thank you again for, for joining us. Yeah, no problem, King. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. See you, Shane. Yep, see you, man.